and welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Josh Wallen. And this is a big one, folks, because on this episode of The Conversation, to paraphrase one of Sir Paul McCartney's worst songs from the last two decades or so, I'm talking about freedom! Donkey Kong Freedom! I will talk about Donkey Kong Freedom! See, I, I can't do Beatles references. I thought you were going to go for It has it will be revealed. That one I understand through context clues. I, I can't do the Beatles references. <laughs> you understand the Quiznos Battlestar Galactica. Was it Razor? I, I don't even remember. God, Battlestar Galactica, that was so long ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're like we're like four disappointing shows in now, like past Battlestar Galactica. But no, uh, we are finally going to be sharing nearly everything I know about the abandoned Donkey Kong game developed by an outside studio following the release of Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. But before... Donkey Kong development was reportedly moved internally to Nintendo EPD. Now, I've alluded to this game several times here on The Conversation, most notably an episode you were on, Josh, way back in 2021, when the rumors of the EPD game first broke out into the wider gaming news media. Uh, so I, I brought this up then. I said I could not talk about it at the time because I, I, I couldn't divulge what I knew without potentially exposing uh, sources. But circumstances have changed. So this is a story I have been chasing in some form or another since 2018. That's when I first started uncovering these breadcrumbs that led me to this uh, candy-coated witch's house out in the woods where this uh, Donkey Kong game had been in development but no longer was. So I, I didn't know this. I didn't know the details at the time. I just started getting like little clues here or there. And... It didn't really seem to matter because it seemed to pale compared to what I was hearing about Donkey Kong being taken internally and being developed in Japan. And I, I just left it lay. You know, I, I, I didn't really go chasing after it. But over time, I began learning more. And I learned it from multiple well-placed sources. Sources who were there. Sources who knew what was up. And I can honestly say this is probably the most well-sourced, most verified story I've ever gone public with. So I, I stand by what I'm about to discuss with you 105% because, yes, we have put in the cheat codes on the file select screen. We are going to get Immortal Monkey on this episode of The Conversation. If you don't know what that means, there's the door. I don't want you here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And, I, and I'll just say at the top of the show here, me being here, I'm basically I'm I'm pretty much in the same position as anyone 
as anyone listening right now, I believe. Um, I, my only source for any of this is Heil. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm not gaslighting you, Jock. Look, <laughs> when I say I'm a Donkey Kong journalist, which is my jokey answer for what I do for a living, this is what I mean. This is actually the payoff to that. This is Donkey Kong journalism in action, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna hear tales that. Honestly, like, I wouldn't have gone forward now, even. This was going to be, this this week's episode of The Conversation was going to be character witness Swanky Kong, which I was really looking forward to, by the way. I was really jazzed about that. And uh, and we, uh, we had to delay that now several weeks. And that bums me out. But <laughs> the reason we're going forward, I'm going forward this week is people I have never spoken to have come forward in various online corners, including the DK Vine forum and uh, Fama boards, among others. And they've started sharing very specific details. And, you know, I, I lurk on the DK Vine forum. I do. I'm reading what you're saying. Uh, and, and I saw a forum member a few months back by the name of Dante Kong, probably not the real name, uh, starting to share some things. And I chuckled to myself. I was like, oh my, hmm, somebody's connected. Somebody's well-sourced. Then someone by the name of Professor Chops, we won't hold that against them, went into even <laughs> more detail on the fam aborts, which I don't lurk on the fama boards or really anywhere else online because I don't have the time or the energy. <laughs> I, I, I've built my own little ecosystem, my own bubble. And I pretty much stay in that bubble, you know, DK vine, but somebody uh, shared what professor chops was saying on the DK vine forum. And from there, we began to have a repeat of this donkey Kong EP, EPD situation. We had two years ago, where larger sites began running the rumor. And people started going, hey, this sort of lines up with what Heil has been alluding to in the conversation and on DKVine.com proper. And, you know, then larger YouTubers ran with it. And, well, here we are. This story has more leaks than a pail overlooking a magic sandcastle and no amount of eggs are going to plug it at this point. And if you don't know that reference, there's the door. I don't want you here. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but what, I, what I can say, though, is that while I cannot personally attest to any of these sources, what I can definitely say is that Heil, like, told me some of the details of this, like, years ago at this point. So, so we've we've been sitting on this one for a long time. We have, yes. And... I, before doing this episode, I was like, all right, it's out there now. So I went to my sources, all of them, and I said, hey, uh, is it okay if we do a conversation about this? And they said, well, might as well now. <laughs> it's it's mm -hmm. out there. And uh, so, the, so they gave the green light or, you know, to put it in Donkey Kong parlance, the rock crocs have sprung to life. And are now on the move. Yes, this is just the way I uh, am. Yes, the well-known idiom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't turn it off, all right? <laughs> so, really quick, I, I would like to point out that I haven't been the only one chasing this story 
for the better part of five years. Uh, Gothic Teddy Bear, an active member of our community, has also been completely independent of me investigating this on the down low and has entirely different sources than the myriad of ones I have. So he came to me, Gothic Teddy Bear came to me and said, Hey, heard this and lined up with what I had heard. So I would like to thank them uh, and also thank them for the very casual mock-up of what we're about to discuss that I'm using for this episode's key art on YouTube and SoundCloud. Now, so many people, I can't tell you the amount of people, are not going to listen to this episode. They're going to see it on YouTube or they're going to see shared, you know, whatever links to it, embedded links or SoundCloud, and they're going to think, I'm trying to pass this off as an actual leaked screenshot of what we're going to discuss. It is not. Uh, I, I believe it's from the PlayStation Project Spark equivalent. Uh, what, what's it called? Uh, Banjo-Kazooie? No, Dreams. Dreams. Yeah, I was close. Dreams, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the PlayStation Project Spark equivalent. <laughs> you know, I, I only understand things in terms of the DKU or the Beatles. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, and, and you have to walk it back from there for me to get on board. So I have never ever, ever actually seen any screenshots of this game we're discussing today, nor have I seen any footage. I know some people out there claiming they saw footage of it. I can't attest to that. I can't attest to what these other people are saying in in terms of their relation to it. I can only tell you what I have been informed over the past five years or so. So, When I announced we were doing this episode on social media, I I used a screenshot from Skylander's Superchargers that I found apropos. And people thought I was trying to pass that off as a leaked screenshot. They were saying, LOL, this is just Skylanders. Like, got you, fool. (laughs) Yeah, it's no matter what, no matter what we do or say here, that sort of thing is going to be completely inevitable with something like this. I know, I know. I, I couldn't just have black YouTube, like, key art. Like, I couldn't just leave it blank. You know, I I had to put something in there that was representative of what we're discussing today. So... Just put, like, a question mark with arms and legs. (laughs) But thank you to Gothic Teddy Bear for providing it, nonetheless. All right, before we begin, I I would like to plug a few things. Uh, we, We have a Patreon. DK Vine has a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash dkvine. When I ask people to support independent Donkey Kong journalism, <laughs> this is what it pays for right here. This is this is the payoff. So uh, if, if you have enjoyed the conversation, if you enjoy dkvine in general, what we do, what, what we try to bring to light for Donkey Kong fans, providing that steady reassurance that, yes, it's been nine years without a full new game. I realize that, but we're we're trying to calm nerves here. Independent Donkey Kong journalism, as opposed to the stuff that's run by the state. Yeah. They won't tell you the truth. Or or corporate-owned Donkey Kong journalism. You know, <laughs> they just do what their corporate overlords tell them to say. What we do is we hit the streets, and we bring the Donkey Kong journalism back to the people. <laughs> so if you, if you would like yeah. 
if you would like to uh, support DK Vine, you can do so at Patreon because that is the way we make money at the moment. We don't have any other revenue streams except, oh, the DK Vine merchandise store. Yes, we're on Public Right now, just a bunch of t-shirts, but... You know, wearing one of our t-shirts is as good as a press pass. If you would like to be an independent Donkey Kong journalist, pop on a <laughs> wait, DK. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Heil, Heil, yeah. I am a... <laughs> I, I have a degree in journalism. I don't know if that's exactly valid. No, I'm lying right now because... Oh, I've, okay, I've gone okay from, that's fine. I've, I've gone from journalism mode to capitalism mode. I'm trying to gotcha, sell t-shirts. Okay. So, <laughs> like, I'm not saying wearing a DK Vine shirt will get you in through the back doors. And in fact, it might get you chased. It might get you chased away because they're like, there's those damn Donkey Kong journalists again trying to scoop <laughs> us. Let's get them out of here. But won't that make you feel special? I think it will. DKVine.com forward slash merchandise or you can find us on tpublic.com. That's right. Now, Josh, you are a successful YouTuber. You are... Arguably, sure. Yeah, no, you <laughs> you are far larger than DK Vine. And you do great work as far as really celebrating what it means to be a fan of video games. And would you like to speak to that really quick for your channel, The Geek Critique? Sure. And what I'll also say in, in support of you is that like you and I, what one thing that's, that's similar about both of us is that what makes this, what makes both of our operations possible is the support of our Patreon backers. We, we could not for various reasons and in various ways, we could not do it without them. So, so when you talk about, you know, how important <laughs> and how, how nice it is that people, uh, are willing to support you on Patreon and support this. I mean, I, I know we make a big joke about it of uh, independent Donkey Kong journalism, and that's great, but my, my, my parents don't respect me, Josh. <laughs> my, my parents started respecting me as soon as I started actually making money at it. So that's what it took for them. Whoops. <laughs> the, <laughs> the first couple of years, not so much. But yeah, the 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 geek critique. Uh, I think I think you can you can you can just search YouTube for the geek critique. Honestly, if you're listening to this episode, you've probably heard like <laughs> other episodes of the conversation that that me and Hyle have done together. Um, but yeah, I do various video game retrospectives with a typically a focus on sort of contextualizing what the game was like and how it hit in its time. Um, whether I was there personally or not, I sort of try, my, my favorite thing to do is to sort of try to, like, imagine or, or elucidate on what this meant and how this came across. Mm. And you do that so well. I know I like to play dumb here on the conversation and really everything I do via DK Vine, we're like, me so stupid. Me don't know nothing but Donkey Kong universe. <laughs> but... <laughs> I love your channel because it is just such a celebration of being a fan or, or or like coming to terms with something you weren't a fan of and embracing it anyway. It, it, it is so pure and so wholesome and so feel good every time. And generally, you can 
be talking about anything and I will be engrossed in it because I can put myself in those shoes so easily. So that's that's the wonderful thing about your channel and uh, I, I highly recommend it. Every time there's a new Geek Critique video, it's a must watch. Everything else gets pushed aside and I have to tell my parents, well, I'm not making money this week because Josh has a new <laughs> video out and I can't be productive. Well, th- thank you very much, Kyle. <laughs> yes. And thank you for being here. I appreciate here. it. Pe- people always say they love the episodes you're on, which suggests to me they hate the episodes you're not on. <laughs> so uh, I- I'm glad I can, you know, ha- have a solid two to three episodes a season for the people. Yeah, take that, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> no, people people seem to love all of the co-hosts except for me. So, um <laughs> Well, you're the constant, you know. It's it's not that they you're you basically, oh god, you're going to hate this analogy. You're the Mario of this podcast, you know. You are unchanging and constant. Oh you're- no. <laughs> oh no. I'm I'm like the 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 mid driver of any mascot kart racer. <laughs> But so so yeah, the the co-host is the thing that changes. Yeah, I I guess that's right. Like I I'm just the the white bread, and everybody else is just the tasty filling in the sandwich. But you couldn't have the sandwich without the bread, Heil. So that's true. That's true. Remember when people like cut out all the bread because they were watching their carbs? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm, Not toasty. <laughs> Hey, that was a callback. So we we do have a preliminary call to take. So I did screen the calls ahead of time because I figured a lot of them would just double up on stuff we've been saying. One of them I felt was was more appropriate to play before we actually got into everything. And then the others I felt we could play after the call. So we're going to take the preliminary... And then like 57 of them were just, hey, that's a Skylander screenshot. What are you trying to pull? <laughs> No, thankfully, uh, anybody who works up the courage to call the DK Vine hotline at 1-202-630-VINE, that's 8463, by the way, and yes, I do have that memorized, anybody who, who, who works up the courage to do that, they seem to know what's up, right? Because you have, you have to psych yourself up to know that you're going to be calling this hotline and that you are going to be on this podcast, however briefly, so uh, it, it it's hard work, people. Like I know, say call the DK Vine hotline, but uh, I I think we need to give a give a round of applause to everybody who does because uh, it takes guts. So thank you. Thank <laughs> it you. does. It, well, well done, if, if everyone who calls. I'm always telling people. I'm always telling people because, like, especially the episodes I'm on, I try to encourage like my own community to call in. Mm. And I'm always like, they're, they're, if if you mess up, they're not gonna they're not gonna play a bad take. <laughs> oh yeah, the amount of people who call and say, "Hey, can you not use that last one?" Yeah, and can yeah. you cut out this bit? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that happens from time to time. And I'm I'm very generous. I'm not. This isn't gotcha Donkey Kong journalism. This <laughs> this is the Donkey Kong journalism that uh, helps people out. So. And and also that when you call, nobody is go- is going to pick up the phone. No, that's, that's the thing. It is a, because because is... nobody likes to talk on the phone. I do have that option because it's like the the bat phone in Bruce Wayne's study. Like the red light goes off, and I like I could pick it up and be like, "Hi, this is Heil." Oh my god! Yeah, but I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that. So, all right, let's go ahead and play 
our preliminary call, and then we're going to get into the good stuff, and we're going to talk about this abandoned Donkey Kong game from 2016. Wow, Josh, checking in on a Thursday Thursday, because I am thirsty for a new Donkey Kong game. Thirsty for information on a canceled Donkey Kong game. So thirsty that I went down a rabbit hole and downloaded that Super Donkey Kong 99 game for the Genesis slash Mega Drive. If you played it, it has ripped assets from the first three country games, inconsistent hitboxes, bizarre music playing throughout, and most of the enemies scream when they're defeated. Not sure I can say I would recommend it, but I'd be interested in knowing exactly how it fits into the DKU. Definitely a game that, well, it exists, that's for sure. You can even buy it on a cartridge from one of those bootleg counterfeit websites. Don't ask me how I know that. Anyways, looking forward to the episode, hearing Kyle spill the beans about this game we've heard about on and off over the years. And maybe we'll get some insights into the new game. Take care. I need a drink. Okay, so I don't know why that call was so horny. Um, (laughs) Because he's thirsty for a new Donkey Kong game. No, I got that bit, but he just just kept it up. Uh, (laughs) I would like to say, if you are jonesing for a Donkey Kong fix and you have not done so, I I would avoid the the weird bootleg games for the Genesis and what have you. Those, (laughs) Those are ass. Donkey Kong belongs on Sega, Heil. <laughs> yeah, you would say that. They, <laughs> they said ripped assets, and I thought they were just going to say ripped ass, because that's what that game is. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. No, nah, it's funny, you can, you can kind of tell the, the, the general health of a fandom by... W- w- one factor is, how much attention are they paying to, like, ROM hacks and fan games? Because if a fandom is unhappy, what they'll start doing sometimes is, like... Well, we'll just make our own Donkey Kong games. Uh, but, but when it's getting to the point where you're playing, uh, cheaply made 25 year old bootlegs on, <laughs> on, on the Genesis. Ooh. Yeah, I, I would like to recommend for any Donkey Kong fan in need of a fix. If you are thirsty for Donkey Kong, there are several good avenues to, to go. I, I would recommend, first of all, Donkey Kong Adventure for Mario Plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. I, I know it might not be everybody's cup of tea, the the whole, you know, turn-based tactical uh whatever RPG. Um, but it's it's a new Donkey Kong game, sort of, you know, leeching onto a Mario and Rabbits game, but it's great. It's got Grant Kirkhope music. I mean, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, I I bought it going on five years ago, and I still haven't made it through the tutorial. At this point, I need to just <laughs> <laughs> I need to just like bite the bullet and listen to the soundtrack on YouTube or something. <laughs> of course, there's ukulele. I just I can't do tactics, so I get that. Yeah, there's ukulele in the impossible layer. If you want Ooh, something, that's my shit. Yeah, if you want something that's much closer to Donkey Kong Country, and in fact, I I've been saying ukulele in impossible layer feels like an alternate. Donkey Kong Country 4, if if 
a lot of people from the rare teams got together and made an actual direct sequel to Donkey Kong Country 4 because it feels like it just picks up where DKC3 leaves off and evolves the formula even more. So I, I would recommend yeah, that's that. True. Particularly with particularly with the map screen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you have any recommendations for the uh the lonely Donkey Kong fan? Well, one thing that I that I enjoy that I don't think is I don't think we've ever talked about this. There's a ROM there are these two ROM hacks of Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2. I think one's kind of called like Brigand Barrage and uh, the other one's just called DKC Boss Rush. But what it does is it sort of turns beating all of the bosses in the game into this little time attack mode. Mm-hmm. And there are various options. You can like play as the Kongs with like their Game Boy palettes. And uh, <clears throat> it's one of those things like I love time attack style games. So like it's one of those things where it's really fun if I've got a few minutes to just like jump in there and like try to beat my own best time or something. So yeah, t- check that out if that sounds interesting to you. All right, well, thanks for the call. Stay thirsty, my friend. So before we really begin here, Josh, I would like to reiterate that this information comes from multiple sources, some of whom have never spoken to one another, and many who were present when this game was being worked on. Now, I will do my best not to speak on what I don't know or unconsciously fill in the gaps. And if I do speculate or hypothesize, I will try to be very clear and upfront when I am doing that. Because I know from experience how quickly misconceptions can form, especially in Mm -hmm. our uh, clickbait culture that we're in. Hashtag commentary. So I'm going to be as careful as I can be while still trying to present everything in as interesting and gripping a narrative as I possibly can. Whew, deep breath. All right, here we go. Josh, let's go back in time a bit. Let's go back nearly eight years to E3 2015. Now, E3 2015 was a monumental E3 for our community, mostly because of Rare and Platonic. It heralded what we like to call the Renaissance, this resurgence of the original studio and the emergence of its independent offshoot studio, which would, of course, bring us Sea of Thieves and Ukulele, two of the biggest games we've had released since then. And that's how we mostly remember that E3, in hindsight. It goes Sea of of Thieves, Ukulele, and then way, way, way down the list, Shinmu 3. And then the Final Fantasy VII remake. That's that's how I remember E3 2015. I'm patting you on the head right now, if you say so. Yeah, when I say we, I mean me mostly. D- no, D- I know, I know. DK Vine, but I I am the editor in chief. The royal we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but going into E3 that year, in the months and the weeks and the days leading into it, we were also chasing rumors that a new Diddy Kong Racing would get revealed. Do you remember that? I still believe in Kevin Callahan, for the record. Yeah, that's good for you. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I, have you given have you given up? I'm like an REM song in Donkey Konga Two. I'm over here losing my religion because <laughs> Kevin Callahan is a fraud. Josh. Oh no, 
Oh God, this 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 changed. I geez, you 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 were the fulcrum point for for my entire belief system. I don't know about this. <laughs> it it's it's a complete fabrication, and of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously, yeah. What once E three really got rolling, though, it did not matter because we had rare replay, Sea of Thieves, and the end of Platonic's Kickstarter campaign. So, you know, Diddy Kong Racing and the broader Donkey Kong franchise sort of took a back seat once we passed Tuesday morning, once we knew that all Nintendo really had to show was Star Fox Zero, which we weren't that enthused about, and we didn't really think about it all that much afterwards in relation to the show. But I bring this up because little did we know at the time that E3 2015 would also serve as something of a nexus point for Donkey Kong, where the franchise's past, present, and future all converged and passed each other in the night. I, I th- This is surreal to think about, but within maybe a thousand feet of each other, you had Rare unveiling their rebrand and new era. You had a small group from Platonic Games, showing off ukulele behind closed doors. And where was Retro Studios in all of this? Well, as we all know, Retro completed Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze and released it in February of 2014, with the studio then concentrating on launching a new IP. They were supposed to show it off at E3 2015, and on June 9th, They even did a teaser tweet where they just said, can you dig it? And they provided the E3 link on Nintendo.com. And we are here to finally break the story and reveal Booker T's Spin-A-Rooney Adventures was real. That's right. You could play as Stevie Ray, Mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. uh, Charmel, like it... it Everybody else in the, in the Booker T extended <laughs> universe? I don't know. Uh, Sherry Martell? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so, Nintendo was not happy with the game that Retro was working on. They didn't think it was ready to be shown off. And even though Retro was there and ready to get rolling, or get digging, I guess... They pulled it at the last minute. And I, I don't think enough people know about this. And, and it's it's kind of, I'm, I'm sure it's a demoralizing tale. So it's not one that I really want to like revel in for it. But it's just, it's just mind-blowing that Retro is all ready to go. They were there. And Nintendo said, no. No, get that, get it out of here. And in fact, you know, we never saw what they're working on. Because... Eventually, they were put on Metroid Prime 4. And to to dig into this a little bit, this is like the journalist in me wanting to know this. Like, were you were you aware of this at the time at E3 2015? I can't really remember, honestly. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, the, 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 that would have been like the furthest thing from yeah. <laughs> being relevant to DK Vine. So that makes sense. We were asking where Retro was. We were confused by it. And it, right. I, I don't know if it really revealed itself at the time. We learned info about that, as I'll get into here. But 
I it, like that whole week is just such a, a cacophony of things happening because that's that's really the E3 where DK Vine matured from being this thing we launched as teenagers, this like little clubhouse, you know, that didn't take itself seriously and and you know stuck stuck its thumb in the eye of, of civilized society and we started to become a legit well mostly legitimate source of news and entertainment for people like i, I think that the, was the turning it was point. the e3 that dk vine lost its indie cred yeah sold yeah. out to the man that's right that's right so you know, the amusing thing about running a stupid fan site like DK Vine, even before, you know, we went legit, is that you do attract more attention than you think, especially when you're pretty much the only major, like, Donkey Kong fan site, aside from DKC Atlas, you know, that, that, that people know about. So, like Woodward and Bernstein, we suddenly had sources approaching us, and... We learned at E3 2015 that David Wise was doing the score of that game for Retro Studios, or he was doing some music for it. I don't know if he was the only composer on it, but we learned he was doing music for it. And based on that initial meeting, I dubbed our first source Dave Throat, because, you know, I'm a political nerd, you know, I... Right, right. You know, not a pornography nerd, just, you know, the, the Watergate scandal, <laughs> not the the movie that the source from Watergate derived its name from. But anyway. Well, I just learned something. Yeah, that's that's where Dave Throat comes <laughs> from. Deep Throat. That's where Deep Throat comes from. Porno. I, I knew Dave Throat was a reference to Deep Throat. I did not know that <laughs> that's actually where Deep Throat got their name from. Yup. Uh, wow. So... <laughs> That really began opening DK Vine, and me in particular of the years, to a network of sources. And that would eventually bring us here today. So, wildly, you know, I mentioned it being a nexus point for Donkey Kong, and I mentioned Rare, Platonic, and Retro. But it was at E3 2015 that a new Skylanders game was announced, which, for the Nintendo systems would feature an Amiibo-Skylander hybrid for both Donkey Kong and Bowser. And the Donkey Kong one, I've got it right here with me right now, it's called Turbocharge Donkey Kong. He's wearing a yellow, like, Evil Knievel-style jumpsuit, like he's a a stuntman, you know? Like, uh, Donkey Kong is uh, performing, like, wild tricks here, in, in Skylanders, and this Skylanders game in particular was being helmed by a development studio by the name of Vicarious Visions. Now, Activision, who owned Vicarious Visions at the time, uh, also had a presence at E3 2015, and they even had set up a very small kiosk in the Nintendo wing to show off Skylanders superchargers with Donkey Kong. And you can watch YouTube footage of me playing that game in E3 2015. Uh, just, just search it on the YouTube and you'll find it. And little did I know at the time how significant this would all be. Because, of course, this was a story DK Vine was following. Oh, Donkey Kong is going to be a Skylander. How weird. It would eventually lead almost too much more. 
First, mm-hmm. though, because this is the conversation, and I realize we have not talked much about vicarious visions on the conversation. We need to talk a little bit about vicarious visions to kind of understand what they were all about. Most famously, of course, they made the Power Rangers Time Force game for the Game Boy Advance, uh, which had a very impressive feature where the theme song would sort of play over the speaker in this incredibly low fidelity. Really? So you, 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 you know that they were, they were a good fit for Donkey Kong. Are you excited about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 30th anniversary special, Josh? Oh, I watched the trailer and I had tears in my eyes. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> I can't freaking wait. I like the eclectic mix of Power Rangers they brought back. <laughs> I, I like to imagine people like who've never listened before finally getting to this point in the episode thinking that we're 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 finally going to reveal it and then going on a Power Rangers tangent. <laughs> Welcome to the conversation. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's uh I'm I it's one of those things where like I'm trying not to overthink it because I'm like I don't want to like accidentally come up with any plot points or, or like figure anything out ahead of time. I just want to watch it and enjoy it. But they man, spoiled so quite excited. a bit in that trailer. They did, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, I can't, <clears throat> can't wait for the 30th anniversary special for Donkey Kong Country next year. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> be, it should be just as extravagant as Nintendo's 40th anniversary celebrations for the original Donkey Kong. And then a few years after that, we'll get the 30th anniversary uh, special for the Donkey Kong Country television show. You know, the Mario movie's coming out. Maybe my opinion on the Donkey Kong Country cartoon show will change. Maybe I'll be like, you know, it wasn't that bad after all. <laughs> all things considered. No, well, no, I, I'm looking forward to the Mario movie. Anyway, let's, let's get into Vicarious Vision, shall we? Sure, I, sure. I can feel the, the crowd growing impatient with us. I can talk about Power Rangers all day. But sure, I know you sure. could. Vicarious Vision. I know. All right. So Vicarious Visions was founded by uh, Karthik and Guha Bala brothers. While they were still in high school in 1991, if that makes you feel low, if you really want to feel bad about yourself, the Bala Brothers founded Vicarious Visions, their own video game studio, while they were still in high school. I I founded DK Vine when I was in high school, co-founded it, so, you know, I'm still doing that. No, that dude, that's I did nothing of any lasting value whatsoever when I was in high school. So, turns out <laughs> if you start anything in high school, you can never escape from it. Mhm. Although they did escape from Vicarious Visions, but we'll get into that. So, the Bala brothers would do the among other things for Vicarious Visions. Vicarious Visions would do the Game Boy Advance port of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 in 2001 and that would eventually lead them to uh helm all the handheld games in that series before doing the console remaster of one and two for the current generation of hardware in march of 2002 they released their first crash bandicoot game uh which was crash bandicoot the huge adventure i believe for the game boy advance the Game Boy Advance one, which was legit a very, very impressive. I'm not like the biggest Crash Bandicoot fan, but I am. A, I'm. A, I am always a fan of like games 
sort of stop skeletons from fighting youtuber stop skeletons from fighting calls it has a series called punching weight where he talks about like games that use hardware in interesting and innovative and impressive ways and i'm a huge fan of that and it is super impressive how well they were able to take the gameplay of crash bandicoot on the playstation and do it and make it work and make it feel very similar on the game boy advance i remember when it came out people talking about it you know, I'm not a Crash fan either, per se, but I remember it caused quite a quite a stir when it was released. Yeah, and, and same thing with TH with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on GBA. Like, especially in like the GBA's launch window, that was getting talked up as one of the most impressive games on the system. So yeah, yeah even even from relatively early on, uh this 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 development studio had a lot of cred. Well, Yes, obviously they got attention because mm-hmm. in 2005, the studio became a division of Activision. And in 2011, it was revealed they were working on the 3DS version of Skylanders, Spyro's Adventure. So this would be a gig that would define them for several years. They would eventually become the second major studio to work on Skylanders with the creator Toys for Bob. So uh, Vicarious Visions would create Swap Force and Superchargers in the off years between Toys for Bob's Skylanders until the franchise and the entire Toys of Life fad pretty much cratered after Imaginators in 2016. That was the one that had Crash Bandicoot in it. Yeah, I, I remember I remember going to Toys R Us in the dying days of Toys R Us. Yeah. And... <laughs> Just all these incredibly discounted toys to life. There were so many. It was such a fad. And, you know, Donkey Kong was also playable in the Nintendo versions of Imaginator. So you could have Donkey Kong and Crash Bandicoot on the same team. So Strange bedfellows, I gotta say. I mean, it makes sense, you know? I mean, they they, they do work well together, all things considered, you know? But... (laughs) As I said, Vicarious Visions did Skylander Superchargers, which was their second and last Skylanders game. And one of the reasons Donkey Kong was in that game was, according to Nintendo, it was due to him not really having a 3D platformer since Donkey Kong 64. And Nintendo also felt that Donkey Kong wouldn't be having any games for a while. Because even though Tropical Freeze had just come out about a year and a half before, um, they needed a stopgap until they figured out what to do. Because, you know, Met- uh, Retro wa- was busy with their own new game. They had moved on. And at that time, I believe Metroid Prime 4 was being developed by, was it Bandai Namco? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that was the original yeah, yeah. That was the original plan. Like, they, they knew Retro was occupied at the time, and so they, they took Metroid Prime away from Retro, and, and they gave it to somebody else, and they were like, well, for Donkey Kong, we don't want to have to think about it for a bit. You know, Tropical Freeze did just come out, so we will let Vicarious Visions utilize Donkey Kong in Skylanders, and that will, you know, be able to delay until we need to figure out what to do with Donkey Kong. Well, as far as stopgaps go, Nintendo was very impressed with how Donkey Kong and Diddy, because uh, Diddy was in the game 
as an extension of Donkey Kong. Like, there's no Diddy Skylander amiibo, but he he popped out um, to to assist Donkey Kong at times. So they loved how they are portrayed in the game. The, I mean, it, there were a lot of really great references from the entire legacy of Donkey Kong and his move set. And, and they, they loved how he was animated, how he was portrayed. I, I really do like the Skylanders model for Donkey Kong, by the way. Um, I, you know, it's a little bit um, like rougher around the edges, but I think it works for him. And honestly, I think you could put him right next to the Project Spark Conquer, uh, which is also like my favorite Conquer design. And I think they almost work together like as a piece, like you could put them in the same game and it would not feel off. Yeah, I can kind of see that. They're they're very stylized and, and a little a little edgier. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, Retro was occupied. And after Skylander Superchargers came out, I'm I'm not clear on who approached who here. If Vicarious Visions approached Nintendo or if Nintendo approached Vicarious Visions. But they got to talking. They're like, hey, we really liked what you did with Donkey Kong. Would you like to do a Donkey Kong game? Or maybe it was, hey, we really enjoyed working with Donkey Kong. How would you feel if we made an entire game with Donkey Kong? Either way, they got the green light. And this began development of a 3D platformer. Yes, a 3D platformer codenamed... Donkey Kong Freedom. And, you know, when you hear 3D platformer in Donkey Kong, the mind immediately goes back to 1999 and Donkey Kong 64. Something that is just busy work. I I like a lot about Donkey Kong 64. I rag on it in comparison to Banjo-Kazooie. But I think Donkey Kong 64 has a lot of good bits. The problem is there isn't a consistency to really make those bits stand out above all of the filler, the the pink slime, if you will, of the game. It it, it was um it was what it was, and a lot of people have nostalgia for it. But but I I, I do know what you're saying because it's like when I like I have to sort of uh, like. I guess check my own biases because the fact of the matter is the only point of reference that we have for what a 3D Donkey Kong game could be like is a game that was released in 1999. And it's not really fair to say, like, because my, my, my knee-jerk reaction kind of is like, a 3D Donkey Kong game? Well, I wouldn't want another one of those. Look at how it went last time. But it's like, it wouldn't, there's absolutely no way that that would have any bearing whatsoever on how on how this could potentially turn out. Yeah. It was going to be something new. And the emphasis on and, and Donkey Kong Freedom seemed to be replicating the gameplay of the Donkey Kong Country games, but in 3D. So it, it, it was less exploration, less let's get, you know, 500 collectibles in, in every area. It was described to me from a few sources as kinetic gameplay that would revolve more around obstacles and specifically vine swinging. One of the big features of the game was something called vine grinding. 
where Donkey Kong would slide down vines or ropes on his feet, like topside. So imagine the tropical freeze stage zipline shrine, but with feet instead of hands. So you can see where the Tony Hawk influence might be coming in here. I don't I, like a pla- the idea of a platforming char- a platformer character like grinding down a rail on their feet. I, I just I don't think that's really very realistic. I don't see how that would like lead to good game design. Uh-huh. I don't I don't think they should try it. Uh huh. The the reason you're on this episode is revealed, Josh. <laughs> oh, was, were they going now? How the, the, I am concerned though, yeah, because Donkey Kong sliding de- like Donkey Kong doesn't have soap shoes. Uh, <laughs> were they going to give him a pair of soap shoes? Were Were they gonna like make a sponsorship brand deal with soap? So you are a of like mind with Shigeru Miyamoto. Congratulations, Josh. I'll take that, sure. Miyamoto-san was very communicative with this project. He was very hands-on because Donkey Kong is his baby. He's always been on record. He loves Donkey Kong. That's the thing he is most proud of in his career. It was his original game. It was the game that brought him fame. It was the game that brought him prominence. And he's always been very protective of Donkey Kong. Since 1993, there has always been something in the works for Donkey Kong. And it's mostly been thanks to Miyamoto's urgings and advocacy at Nintendo. God, if 17-year-old Heil could hear you now. I, like I said, I matured. All right. <laughs> I know. I, no, it's, it's great. I'm not, that's a, that's a great thing. It's just, man. You know, Miyamoto, I, I know there are all of these falsified quotes we believe them to be falsified about him hating on donkey kong country he's always been very supportive and you know he's really embraced donkey kong country as the brand he really Mm -hmm. has and you know just as he did with rare and donkey kong country and retro and donkey kong country returns he had suggestions. He, he, he was a lot more, like, hands-on with the, the first game that a studio works on for Donkey Kong. And then he kind of, like, trusts them and he backs off a little bit. But with Donkey Kong Country, the original, he was the one who suggested the uh, hand slap, the, uh, the, the ground slap where he can unearth things from the ground, which wasn't really used all that much, although it has become sort of a signature move of Donkey Kong over the years. But Rare implemented it on Miyamoto's suggestion. Retro famously implemented Donkey Kong blowing on things. Because Miyamoto was like, what if Donkey Kong could blow on things? What if he could, like, you know, what if there's a dandelion and he could blow it and spread the seeds? When, uh, you know, something like that. And they did it and people hated it and they took it out of trap. And then freeze. And then Pikmin grew out of the seeds. Eh? <laughs> yeah, right. They, so, so uh, you know... Retro took it out of Tropical Freeze. They added uh, pulling instead, which I believe was Tanabe's suggestion, Super Mario Brothers 2 style. But anyway, uh, Miyamoto had a wonderful note for Donkey Kong's vine grinding and Donkey Kong Freedom. He suggested, well, he was worried. He was worried because he, 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 he was like, what, won't Donkey Kong get rope burn on his feetsies? Well, well his, his little toes will, will, will hurt. He didn't actually say that. You can that. tell that Donkey Kong, Miyamoto thinks of Donkey Kong as his, as his little baby. Very protective. <laughs> because he's, he's that worried about it. It was very, it was like, no, I don't like it because Donkey Kong 
will be hurting afterward. How does Donkey Kong soothe his aching feet after a day of vine grinding? And so the team figured out a workaround. Donkey Kong would wear banana peels as shoes whenever he would vine grind. And Miyamoto apparently loved this. He was like, yes, yes, (laughs) banana peels as shoes. This is it. (laughs) So... See, here's the thing, like, at the top, like I said at the top of the episode, Uh like, I have no, like, personal sources on this beyond Heil. I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat as the rest of you. The fact that this is part of the story is, it, like, to me gives it a lot of, a lot of, like, a lot more credibility and credence because the people who, who just, like, here, like, it, leaks are, leaks in video games, I guess in most things, are typically sort of a game of telephone. Um, but the fact that this detail is in here is not something that you could make up, and it sounds exactly like Miyamoto. Yeah, and I, I don't think I could write for Miyamoto as a character. Like, you know, I, exactly. I'm an Emmy-winning screenwriter, you know, and I don't think I could do him justice. I can't get inside his head. I find him charming and delightful and so wholesome, but I just don't think I could write him well. So, yeah, I, I couldn't come up with this. This is this is beyond me. And uh, I, I I do like this, though. I, I think it's... Because I would worry about his feet, too. Honestly, as one of the world's largest Donkey Kong fans, that would be something that would bug me, right? Like, yeah, he, <laughs> he would get rope burn on his feet. They found a solution, and I like the idea that Donkey Kong would just somehow always keep two banana peels on him, just on the off chance he might be Tony Hawk-style, you know, shredding down a vine, bombing downhill with the monkey. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly, oh, they could have used that as, they could have brought that that back as a marketing tagline and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, Josh... <gasps> what was Donkey Kong doing when he, when he was shredding on these vines with his banana peel shoes? Well, luckily, we do have a rough plot. Now, this game was in development for... I, I, I'm really not clear on how long it was. It might have been a year, year and a half, maybe bordering on two years at, at the outermost extremes. Here's a question. Do you have any idea if it was in development explicitly for the Wii U, or were they targeting the Switch by this? Oh, point? the Switch. The Switch. The Wii oh, U was okay. dead. I mean, I mean, this the the Wii U was clearly dead at E3 2015, and if this really yeah, got yeah. rolling after Skylanders came out, it would have been for Project NX. That makes sense, yeah, because at, from 2015, this this would have taken at least two or three years to make. Yes. So, yeah, no, no, no point in, in, like, even starting on a Wii U game at that point. So they, they had, I, I guess, a game engine. I, I don't know what they were building as, how they were building as, if it was built from scratch or if they were using something else. Um, and, and they were, they, they had it running. They had Donkey Kong, you know, running around a jungle. They had the mechanics, uh, I, I think pretty f- figured out for the most part. But the, the plot is something they, they figured out early on, and it was thus. A factory has opened up in what I'm going to assume would be the Congo jungle, 
at least it's presented as Donkey Kong's home jungle. So we'll call it the Congo jungle. You know, the Congo jungle from sure. Donkey Kong Country, uh, where we know he lives. Um, that would be our, our fan interpretation, at least anyway. Um, I, I don't know if it was ever labeled as such in the game. But uh, a, f- a new factory has opened up, and the owners of the factory have dammed the river of the jungle... Uh, which caused the banana trees to dry up, creating an ecological crisis for the inhabitants. So I do want to point out, too, that I think originally they didn't have the bit about the banana trees in there. It was just factory opens up and is wrecking ecological havoc on the jungle. So what you're saying then is the game was canceled for being too political. Well, got it. So, so uh, another note from Nintendo, and this is going to be one that will rankle some people, is that they said, well, what's in it for Donkey Kong? Because Donkey Kong doesn't do anything altruistically. He's got to have a mm. personal angle in there. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, Donkey, it's the, where Donkey Kong lives, and Donkey Kong cares about <laughs> the people in his jungle, the, all, all, the, all the animals and such, all of his friends and family. If nothing else, he cares about the bananas. That was Vicarious Vision's workaround. They were like, well, what if it's the banana trees, which Donkey Kong uses for his horde, I guess. And and, and so that was enough to placate Nintendo. But I was like, really? Really? Like, you you saying Donkey Kong can't be altruistic? Yeah, that's... But, like, I get... I guess what I would what I would theorize there is like okay let's not let's not jump to conclusions about Nintendo maybe they just wanted there to be a little more of a like a personal right. stake in it right maybe they, you know I'm mean, like even in Jungle Beat you know he really didn't have any rhyme or reason to liberate the these faraway lands these fruit kingdoms mm-hmm. uh, I, I know in the West they just marketed it as Donkey Kong beats up a bunch of uh, people and becomes king of the land but. Uh, the the Japanese plot was a little bit more nuanced than that, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't know, like I I, w- I wouldn't really worry about that too much because e- you know, even Vicarious Visions, you know, had a had a very easy fix there, and it, it sure. didn't really change any of their story. But I really like that it went all in on the environmental messaging of Donkey Kong Country because that's been an aspect of Donkey Kong Country since 1994. With worlds like Cramcroc Industries and Mechanos and DKC3. And, you know, just making that the whole storyline of the game, I, I feel, uh, is a refreshing change from Donkey Kong gets his banana stolen. Uh, his, his banana horde has, has been taken by this, this band of enemies. Donkey Kong is sad. Like, we, we've seen that. We've seen that so many times. And I like that they weren't just repeating it. That we are getting something with a little bit more weight and maybe something even a little bit more contemporary, too. In DKC1, they stole his horde. In DKC2, they stole his body. In DKC3, they stole his mind. (laughs) In DK64, they stole his time. (laughs) And yours, too. Boy, Uh, you can can feel, you can relate to Donkey Kong on that one. So, speaking of time... You know, a lot of the time that was spent working on the game was, as I said, uh, creating how it ran and figuring out the mechanics, making sure that Donkey Kong would work well in 3D and that it would have something unique to say, that it wouldn't just be 
Banjo-Kazooie, but larger, you know? So, yeah. from my understanding, because I know people are asking this, people are screaming this right now, Vicarious Visions never actually got far enough in development to establish who the villains would actually be. It was left open-ended. Um, now, they had obviously bounced around ideas. And they they came up with some sketches. They were like, well, maybe we could do this, maybe we could do that. There was a desire for at least some team members to use the Kremlins. So, the Kremlins were discussed. And it, it was... Um, never actually brought to Nintendo. Because I, I don't know how widespread or universal within the team or Vicarious Visions this urge to use the Kremlins was. I know some people felt, yeah, it's got to be the Kremlins. But right. keep in mind that this was uh, two years or so before King K. Roll was revealed for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And given the compartmentalized nature of how Nintendo usually operates, especially with outside studios, it's unclear if anybody of Ikeri's visions would have had a head up that K. Roll was coming back. Probably not. We know Nintendo put the kibosh on Retro using King K. Roll as a secret final boss in the Switch version of Tropical Freeze because Nintendo realized that King K. Roll's return in, Spa- in Smash would have a lot more impact, would have a lot more weight behind it. And they were like, we, we, you know, it's not worth bringing back K. Roll, having that surprise, fan-pleasing moment be in a port of a Wii U game. Let's save it for Smash where it will actually make ripples. So given... That that being the case, I suppose the thing is. Let me let, let me see if I can get the timeline. The the, the time vine down here is uh-huh. Um The fact that DKC Tropical Freeze, which came out in February of 2014, right. wasn't able to use K Rule, doesn't exactly line up with what we know about what the Smash poll, uh, the, the Smash Brothers ballot poll. Uh, did 4K rule because yes. Super Smash Brothers 4 Wii U slash Super Smash Brothers for Nintendo 3DS um, came out at the end of 2014. Right. Nonetheless, I guess I, I would speculate that if Tropical Freeze wasn't able to use K rule before Smash, this probably wouldn't have been able to either, unless, of course, it was going to come out, you know, after Ultimate did. Well, and, and again, like, the, this whole notion that Retro wasn't allowed to use King K. Rool, I, I, I can't really speak to a whole lot of that. There, there has been hearsay that, that maybe Tanabe was the one really pushing for them to have original antagonists, mm-hmm. even in Tropical Freeze, to, to not bring back the Kremlins. And so, you know, Retro went with, like, Kremlin XPs with the Snowmads. You know, the Snowmads were really designed to evoke feelings of the Kremlins. 
uh, from the ground up in a lot of ways. So I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that there was this embargo on K rule. It was just Tanabe in particular was very adamant about, you know, finding your own direction without taking into consideration that, you know, there is a large contingent of Donkey Kong fans that exist and want to see their characters back. And it's not so much about your, you know, development ethos. It's about doing right for the franchise and its fandom. And I, and the Smash Ballot was a wake up call, as we came to learn for Nintendo, mm-hmm. as far as what, how many Donkey Kong fans there were, how passionate we were about some of these characters who they had neglected or let f- fall by the wayside. So all, all it would really take, though, is Vicarious Visions to advocate for it if they, you know, developing a Donkey Kong game and be like, hey, we want to use the Kremlins. We feel they're the very best antagonists for this. And without any um, like producer in there like Tanabe from Nintendo, maybe they would have had the leeway to do so. It's really unclear. And, you know, it's unclear if they were, if they would be able to get the Kremlins in there at all, or if with what was happening behind the scenes with the Smash Ballot and K. Rule and, I guess, early tentative plans for Ultimate, if they would have been allowed to at all. So right. that that's all just maybes, what ifs, and people can speculate on that until the end of time. All I know yeah, is th- that... Th- th- this is purely the speculation center portion of the podcast. Yeah. But yeah, I, I would say that once once we hit the point in the time in the timeline where uh, Sakurai and the and the Smash Brothers Ultimate Team had decided to bring back K. Rule, they were go they were always going to be the ones to get to do that. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, Smash kind of uh, outweighs everything in, in the ecosystem of Nintendo. It is the kingmaker, after all. And I, I you know, <laughs> once upon a time said, I feel like K. Rule's return should be in a Donkey Kong game and not Smash. And I changed my tune when I realized just how damn meaningful it was for it to be Smash. Because it's a proclamation to everybody who plays Smash all of these fans of all of these franchises already in Smash, and it says, hey, this is Donkey Kong's antagonist. Respect him. Oh, yeah, you, 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 you cannot complain about the, the execution of it. No, no. It, it, it worked out perfectly. You know, some things... It, like, like, I remember us saying at the time, I, th- I, I was on the episode about, about K. Rule, yeah. and just the, the, the impression that I had was like, we, we could not have written this better ourselves, basically. That, that's right, that's right. So... Ultimately, no pun intended, I, I I don't really know if the Kremlins would have made the cut or not. This is kind of that nebulous time period where it would have been an edge case, a bubble case. There's no way to really know. But just just be aware that, yes, some people were advocating for it. It wasn't a case of, this is our Donkey Kong game, let's have a... Uh, let, let's have a bunch of gophers run the factory. Or, or let's have evil tardigrades. The water bears. What 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 if we had Donkey Kong inside of a barrel the, the entire game and ska music played? <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that's that's the good news. The Kremlins were at least on the table as the owners of this factory, which of course we'd seen them run factories before. We we know that's part of their mo. It would have made sense, but they never got far enough to populate the world with baddies, or at least have a. Nineties defi- villains love pollution. They do. They do. Two thousand twenty villains love pollution. Well, uh, a little, a little bit, a little bit of a different usage of the word villain. <laughs> 
Earth Day is coming up. Let's let's get on board here. So, yeah, that's the good news. Let's talk some of the more controversial elements of Donkey Kong Freedom because, yes, Diddy Kong would have been in the game. They did have Diddy Kong in the game, but it would have been greatly similar to the way he was utilized in the Retro Duologies single player. Diddy would have been on Donkey Kong's back. And I know people would have hated this, especially in a 3D platformer, because you want to play as Diddy Kong. You want you, you just want to be Diddy Kong. You don't want to have Diddy Kong as this also-ran accessory, as he was in Superchargers, as he was in single-player in Returns in Tropical Freeze. And I think this would have been um, some, something the community would have not responded well to, because the Donkey Kong community loves Diddy Kong in some cases more than Donkey Kong. Like they they love Diddy Kong. Very fair. More than Donkey Kong because Diddy Kong was the star of Donkey Kong Country 2. The star of Diddy Kong Racing. Because the whole beginnings of the modern Donkey Kong series was built on this premise and promise of Diddy Kong's hero journey. His arc from Mm -hmm. becoming this wannabe protege to the real deal and becoming this not sidekick to donkey kong but equal partner yeah for 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 rare era donkey kong fans in particular yeah like dk is of course the main character he's the star there's there's we we love donkey kong but diddy is the one that we relate to yeah absolutely that diddy i grew up with diddy i mean Mm -hmm. diddy is basically uh, a childhood friend that I came of age with. And so to have Diddy regress into just being this also ran this, this accessory of Donkey Kong, like, a, like the dog in his designer purse. Yeah. You know, it's just, it, it's, it, it would have taken some calming down for sure. And I, I can at least reassure people. Yeah. Diddy was in it. Like it was never a question that Diddy would not be in it. But and, and you know this was still early development when the project was abandoned. It's entirely possible at some point they would have been like, "All right, let's have a few different playable characters in the main sections other than Donkey Kong. Let's get Diddy off Donkey Kong's back. Let's have Diddy playable. Let's bring in Dixie. Let let's bring in uh, Cranky like Tropical Freeze. You know, but we don't know because they never got that far. So the way the project was last left. I've been to believe was Diddy was on Donkey Kong's back. Yeah, and and hypothetically that makes a lot of sense for a couple of reasons. One being just this early in development, like you know when you're sketching out ideas on the table, like the 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 sort of evolution of 3D platformers from the 90s to today, such as it is, is like in the 90s there was Mario 64. And then there were all these iterations on Mario 64. And one of the easiest ways that you could stand out from that game was by having multiple playable characters. Yeah. So it sort of made sense that there for a while, like, the big back-of-the-box quote that you could put on your platformer was like, oh, it has six playable characters, it has nine playable characters. But the thing is, particularly when you're making a three-dimensional game... Is in this day and age, or in 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 the 2015 days, is that 
any new playable character is going to add just another, like, exponentially more complication. Because the expectation with Diddy, uh, particularly in a 3D game, is that he should play very differently from Donkey Kong. He yeah. should be more nimble, he should be faster. In, in a 2D game, you can kind of get away with them having very similar physics in a way that you can't as much with a 3D game. Because Donkey Kong needs to have weight and... and, and uh, and like the, this very this sense of power, right? So I can see why for the for the place that they were in, they would have started with sort of like the return style as a template. Yeah, and it, it does open up Donkey Kong's move set. You know, if Diddy mm-hmm. has the jetpack, and you know, you create that flutter jump or whatever. Um, you know, Banjo Kazooie is a formula that works very well. I know I just got done saying that you don't want your Donkey Kong game just to be Banjo Kazooie but bigger, and this was not just Banjo Kazooie but bigger. But having that tandem duo uh, of the the base character and the thing on the base character's back that provides a little bit more agility or freedom of movement more possibilities it does make sense i get it Mm -hmm. and you know at least diddy was there right this isn't a jungle beat situation where diddy is just left off the table entirely that's never gonna happen again i i i would be shocked if it ever happened again once super Mm -hmm. smash brothers crowned diddy an important character kingmaker spoke Diddy has been around and and portrayed very much like he is in the Smash Brothers games. He got the jetpack, peanut pop guns. I mean, you know, I know that came from Donkey Kong 64, but Smash made it an essential part of Diddy's brand. Right. So I, we talk about playable characters, right? We, we, we talk about how you don't want to have multiple playable characters, maybe in, in a modern 3D platformer. Well, here's the other big controversy, Josh. And this is one I have alluded to. I think I alluded to it back on the episode we did about the EPD rumors where I, where I, I, I sort of brushed up against this topic. <sighs> because <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry because I, I'm bracing myself for it. I've actually come around a bit on this. But uh, the other playable character, at least as far as the game got, the other playable character was Pauline. Pauline from Donkey Kong 1981. Pauline from Super Mario Odyssey. So, it is a bit unclear to me exactly what her role would have been here. Um... I, I, I... It obviously would have been different styled gameplay from Donkey Kong. And... I, I've heard from a couple sources that it might have been in very specific sections. Think like how Mumbo was only playable in limited capacity in Banjo-Tooie. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was, yes, he was playable, but only for like select Mumbo missions. Yeah, you made me run around with him over, over like areas where he wasn't really relevant, but really the reason to play as Mumbo was to do this task. And that is that is often how like modern 3D platformers sort of get a, sort of get around this yeah. is by having them in very having like different playable characters in their own specific stages or areas. Uh, you can see that with Mario Odyssey, like which that essentially has tons of playable characters via the Cappy mechanic, but only in very specific levels and situations. Another really good example is Crash Bandicoot Four, which is pretty relevant, mm-hmm. which has like I think three. Three, three three playable characters besides the core duo of Crash and Coco, but they have their own stages designed around their mechanics. 
Yeah, and I I don't know if Pauline would have been a more like ground based because I don't think Pauline would have been vine grinding, right? Uh, I I don't think Probably. that's really her style, but. I think she would have been a more ground-based stealth operator. Um, so Pauline was to receive a rather significant redesign to better fit within the lore and concepts of how the Donkey Kong series has evolved since 1994 and Donkey Kong Country. And this is this part is really wild to me, Josh, because... Uh, the way I heard it described, the the way it was described to me from one source, was that Pauline would have sort of been reimagined as this Jane Goodall or Diane Fossey type figure of Donkey Kong Island. A human coming in to study and live amongst the apes and monkeys and protecting them from encroachment from the outside world. And this is wild to me because this is, one, it's a brilliant take on Pauline. If you're going to reincorporate Pauline into Donkey Kong proper, this is how you do it. Because there are a lot of tropes in Donkey Kong. I mean, I mean, Donkey Kong is, is kind of molded after a lot of, like, adventure stories, you know, uh, raiding temples and whatnot. There's a lot of Indiana Jones in its DNA. And one of the tropes that it's never gotten into is the Jane Goodall or Diane Fossey, this this human coming in and, and forming this bond and connection with the animals. And this is, I believe, what was first pitched in the fan community by Michael Julius Peterson. He he went on to make fan artwork of Pauline as Jane Goodall. And I'm not sure if someone at Vicarious Visions had seen it or if it's just, you know, parallel development like it's a great idea and more than one people's more than one person's going to think of it if the opportunity arises. And if you were to introduce a Jane Goodall type into Donkey Kong, why not just repurpose Pauline, this this human character who played the significant damsel in distress role in the original game? Why not, you know, brush her off, give her more agency? And in fact, you know, not, not only agency, but have her shake off her, her horrific ordeal where she got abducted by the young Cranky Kong and be like, you know what? I want to learn more about these Kongs. And I'm going to go in there and I'm going to become one with them and I will protect them from the evils of industrialization. I think it's a great idea, honestly. That's why I said I've come around on it. But if you're just pitching it to a Donkey Kong fan, right? And it's like, all right, all right. So Diddy's not going to be playable. He's going to be on Donkey Kong's back. But don't worry, Pauline is going to be playable. They're going to be like, what about Dixie Kong? What about Cranky Kong? Right, what about yeah. Lanky, Chunky, and Tiny? What about all of the characters that I love? I like monkeys. I like <laughs> apes. Why do I have to play as a human in a Donkey Kong game? This makes me physically sick. You got And guys, guys, I, I get it, but you're missing the potential of this. Listen, the game could end with like, uh, with, with an evil clone of Funky Kong 
firing a laser through Donkey Kong's heart, killing him. And then you could have had Pauline kiss him to bring him back to life. The 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 the, the possibilities were endless. You know, uh, and I said Donkey Kong sixty four was <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> I know it's not as disappointing as so many of the Sonic games you've had to endure. Oh my god. <laughs> like Donko 64, at the end of the day, I don't think it's a bad game. It's just a flawed game. And there's a difference between a flawed game and an outright disaster. <laughs> so, oh, this yeah. I <laughs> Yeah. You 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 can always you can always thank your lucky stars that like the buyout era was bad, but it wasn't that. Yeah. The buyout era wasn't even that bad in retrospect. It was just the uncertainty nah. that uh, like held over everything until Donkey Kong Country Returns because yeah, it we honestly got a lot of good games during the buyout era all around the DKU. It it, it was just the end of childhood and and mm-hmm. the uh the the fear of the public turning against what you loved, which in this case was Donkey Kong and Rare and. You know, it worked out well in in the long run, but... Yeah, in in line with what you were saying about Miyamoto earlier, like, in retrospect especially, it's kind of remarkable how lucky we were, because it would have been very easy for Nintendo to, to like, sell off Rare, yeah, uh, and then just be like, well, okay, Donkey Kong's back in our hands, enough of, enough of this DKC stuff. Right. And just and just go all in like 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 what 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 we thought was going to happen with Mario versus Donkey Kong, but but no, Rare's DK never went away, and <laughs> ultimately it worked out. It did, and I think that will be the message of this episode: is ultimately things work out. But at the same time, um, I do definitely understand, honestly, the inclination that 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 you have, and that other, and that like DK Donkey Kong fans have in general. To be very distrustful of this sort of thing, yeah. Partly because what we don't want, what what we absolutely don't want, is for Donkey Kong and and Mario to just be seen as the same thing again, which was a big part of the issue with the buyout era. Ed is cropping up again, honestly, with the Super Mario Brothers movie because just the the final trailer that showed Donkey Kong getting firepower and. Yeah, that's true. Charging with Mario. It's opened up all this discourse. Now people want to see a Mario and Donkey Kong team-up game. And and I see the hand-wringing starting. Like, people are like, oh, Donkey Kong is is never going to get his own game again. He's just going to be paired with Mario as a Mario character. And I'm like, ultimately, the message of this is don't worry. All right? Like, that's not where this is headed. And and if, if anything, I want to reassure people based on us discussing this abandoned project, that it has led to good things, good things for Donkey Kong. Ultimately, there is always going to be this intersection between Donkey Kong and Mario. Of course. I mean, the, the, they both debuted in the same game. Right. How could there not be? But there is also going to be this drive from Nintendo to make sure that Donkey Kong has its identity preserved and never totally gobbled up by the Mario machine. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, Pauline was going to be in it. Uh, and, you know, the, the more I think about it, the more I like this, the more I think it's clever and kind of brilliant. And I would have gotten on board with it eventually. I would have I would have uh, embraced it over time. But it is kind of a splash of cold water. I think it's also important to remember in this hypothetical 
that this would have been before Pauline was in Mario Odyssey. So it wouldn't have been taking an established Mario character who has been there and who, who like has an identity and has been in mainline Mario games recently. It wouldn't have been taking that and just throwing her into the Donkey Kong, into like the Donkey Kong franchise. It would have been reinventing her as a dedicated Donkey Kong character, like with a role to play in that series. Right, because up until this point, Pauline had only really been appearing in the Mario versus Donkey Kong series, which, you know, is is 99% Mario stuff and Donkey Kong's also there. But, you know, uh, Pauline, of course, has that shared heritage. And in this case, she would have fallen on the Donkey Kong side of the divide. You know, like, it it wouldn't have just been, oh, they're putting Mario characters in Donkey Kong. Here we go. It would have been defining Pauline as a Donkey Kong character. So, now, Animal Buddies. I know people are asking about Animal Buddies. Well, the Kremlins might have been in it. Diddy was in it. What about Animal Buddies? This is where Retro really let people down. I, I, I think that's the broad consensus is, why wasn't it Garden Tropical Freeze? Why, you know. It's been 10 years and I still can't believe it. Yeah. E3 2013, we see the we see the water levels. It's like, oh, well, On Guard will definitely be in it. There's no way they'd miss that. Oh, yeah, the Kongs have a lot of moves underwater, but they have moves on land, too. And you put Rambi in and, like, you could just have On Guard be underwater Rambi. It's easy. Exactly. I mean, I don't know how easy it is. I'm speaking out of turn. It's not but, that easy. No, it's not. But, uh, but it, it would have been possible. It, it's the one area, like, we, we've made peace with the Kremlings, especially after Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and K. Rule came back. But Animal Buddies, people are still salty about it. And, you know, <laughs> like, as much as we adore Tropical Freeze, hold it up as one of the greatest games of all time, people still can't get over the lack of on un- guard. So I have been told that Rambi was going to be in the game as a rideable animal buddy, but I haven't heard anything about any other animal buddies. And I think this could be one of the things where they just didn't get far enough to decide one way or another, if any other animal buddies would appear old or new uh, so all, all we know is that Rambi is like the Tommy Oliver of the animal buddies. R- R- Rambi is your base. You're like, yeah. you're like, okay, if we can get Rambi working, maybe we can deviate. Maybe we could find other uses for other animal buddies, but they did have Rambi in there. So, so it was going to be, you know, donkey, Diddy, Pauline and Rambi, the fab four, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's really all that was populating the game. Like, like they, they re- I, from what I understand, they really like took time getting the game running good and making sure that it played well before they really started, you know, populating what would be in this world. So what went wrong? Because Nintendo was very happy with what they were seeing. Miyamoto was pleased. They had a good rapport with Vicarious Visions and the Bala Brothers. I want to see fan art of Donkey Kong rail like grinding on a vine with banana peels. You're gonna see it. It's, it's, it's happening. So, some, somebody do that. I mean, we already have uh, Gothic Teddy Bears dreams fan art here in our key art. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. If if everything was going along smoothly, what happened? Where did it go wrong? Because when I brought this up, there was a lot of assumptions. Maybe even you know 
led by us. I can't remember my wording, but there was assumptions that Nintendo pulled the plug on this or something happened where Nintendo was like, no, we're taking it away from you. Yoink. What happened, Heil? Matt McMuscles is taking notes right now. <laughs> Hi, Matt. I know that reference. Uh, <laughs> well, what happened? I, I think it's, it, it's a multi-tiered thing. And I'm not quite clear on the details, but this is what I've been led to believe. The Bala brothers left Vicarious Visions in April of 2016, which definitely, probably affected the future of numerous projects, including Donkey Kong Freedom. It would be like the Stampers leaving Rare midstream, and what we saw, that affected Rare as well, you know. Um, The founders left their studio. And they would actually go on to form Valon Studios in uh, November of 2016. So they they weren't, you know, on the down low for long. They eventually got back up and running with their own studio. But they did leave Vicarious Visions. And it was around the time that the Bala Brothers launched Valon that Vicarious Visions figured that it would be more lucrative. And maybe this was Activision uh, coming down saying, why are you developing a game for Nintendo that we won't have as much of a significant cut in when you could be helping Bungie with Destiny 2? Activision prioritizing profit above all else? That doesn't sound like them, Heil. (laughs) So again, I don't know... Who led the charge here? If it was the new leadership of Vicarious, or if it was Activision, the parent company, saying, no, 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 wrong way. And if you don't know what that means, there's the door. I Get don't the want you here. Fuck out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Vicarious Visions helped out with uh, Destiny 2 for Bungie. And this was also right before. Crash Insane Trilogy, and I know a lot of effort had to be diverted there as well. There might have been some parallel development with Crash Insane Trilogy, but the way I figure it, looking at the timetable, I believe that this game was abandoned in or around December 2016. It it might have been a month or two before, it might have been a month or two after, but for the timeline to work, the time vine, excuse me, for the time vine to really work the way we understand it, it would probably be around there. Now, some minor assets that have been used in Donkey Kong Freedom, like trees and foliage, actually wound up in Crash Insane Trilogy. Now, again, I don't know if maybe it had, given the, the nature of the development, if they had yoinked it from Crash and Saint Trilogy to work as placeholders in Freedom, or if they're like, well, Freedom's dead, let's just take all of this awesome jungle plant life that we had developed and use it for Crash. I don't know if that was the case, but either way, it is in Crash and Saint Trilogy. Yeah, and when you were telling me this several years ago, I think either the next, maybe that very night or the next day, I, I like started up Crash Insane Trilogy and just made it a point to go into jungle levels and just look really closely at the textures and the models and just be like, oh, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's cool because, you know, sometimes 
abandoned stuff from Donkey Kong games wind up in other games. Like, I know that there were, like, these little ostriches in Cameo, Elements of Power. I think they were taken from Saberman Stampede originally from when it was Donkey Kong Racing. So, bonk, 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 just bounces, you know, on down and eventually finds a home. Mm-hmm. Now, 2017, Donkey Kong Freedom is abandoned by Vicarious Visions and or Activision itself. So to be clear, though, what you're let, let's let's state this outright. Yeah. Donkey, as far as you know, this Donkey Kong Freedom project was canceled either by Vicarious Visions or Activision or some combination of the two. One owns the other. So uh, it was not Nintendo's call then. No. Okay. Nintendo would have been very happy for them to continue developing this. Miyamoto would have probably given more fun notes. And they would have eventually shepherded it to release. So, 2017, the future of Donkey Kong is blown asunder. And I I, I, I do have a suspicion it was because the uh, Bala brothers left. I, I think they were the point people behind a lot of this. They were the ones who fostered this good relationship with Nintendo. So it would make sense. If they leave in April, it has a trickle-down effect. Project is dead at the end of the year. Again, I don't know, but... It's sort of comparable to Ken Lobb leaving Nintendo of America. Ken Lobb, yeah, Rare's inside man Nintendo of America, goes to Microsoft. Oh, and Microsoft just so happens to buy Rare. Uh (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) It was an inside job all along. It was an inside lob. (laughs) god damn it (laughs) (laughs) i'm always on at least here on the conversation you know when the conversation ends i retreat into my introvert shell and i don't i I don't talk about donkey kong for the rest of the day i'm just done (laughs) meanwhile i go meanwhile i go i go downstairs and immediately tell my wife wow that was great we talked about (laughs) (laughs) like like it takes me a while to wind down yeah so 2017 is, is a very fascinating year in retrospect, or, or, or excuse me, in, in Vicarious Vision spec, because Nintendo, they, they, they were counting on this new 3D Donkey Kong game to be an early Switch game. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe the first or, or second year, like probably a second year Switch game, you know, maybe outside chance it, it would have been pushed to 2019, but the, the timing is hazy, though. So, so all of a sudden, Donkey Kong is without a home. And, and they're right back to where they started after Retro finished Tropical Freeze and started making, you know, the shovel game or, or whatever. Uh, shovelware, you know, the, the can you dig it? Uh, so it wouldn't have been instantaneous, considering there was nowhere to take Donkey Kong. Because Odyssey w- was still in development. You know, they, they, were, they were scheduling Odyssey... Um, for later that year. And meanwhile, Universal had already committed to having the Donkey Kong Country part of Super Nintendo World. Uh, That was first revealed in June 2017, like right around the time of E3 that year, which showed off Odyssey. 2017 is, you know, where they launched the Switch. They announced it at the beginning of the year. This was just a chaotic year in general for Nintendo. A really transformative year for them coming off of the failure of the Wii U and having this 
you know, grand reemergence. We talked about what E3 2015 meant for the Rare fan community. 2017 was Nintendo's sort of rebirth into where they are today. And, you know, they had to figure out something for Donkey Kong. I think that's when they made a decision, when I've been led to believe they made a decision to take Donkey Kong back home internally, where, where Miyamoto saw the opportunity and be like, I guess it's going to have to be us, tee-hee-hee. Like, th- this, this had been since 2002, where Donkey Kong has not really had a permanent, stable home studio, right? Once Rare was bought by Microsoft, Rare still made the Game Boy Advance remakes for the Donkey Kong Country trilogy, and then would make Diddy Kong Racing DS for the Nintendo DS. But but Donkey Kong, you know, it was taken into then Nintendo EAD for Jungle Beat. We had Payon doing the, the Peg Swingers and Barrel Blast slash Jet Race. We had Donkey Konga from Namco. We had Mario versus Donkey Kong. You know, there, there were a lot of different... Donkey Kong games in development, but there was really no home base for Donkey Kong until Retro in 2010, or I guess a little bit before 2010 when it went into development, but when Retro took it over with Donkey Kong Country Returns, that gave a little bit of stability, but the way Retro is structured, the way they operate, they don't really have you know, the, the resources to be a really permanent solution. They, they can make a game and they can make me make a sequel and then they're going to want to do something else. And then where does that leave Donkey Kong? So it bought them some time with retro, but at, at the middle of the decade, they needed a new option. Vicarious Visions impressed them with Skylanders. So they became the obvious choice. Well, hey, we don't have anywhere else to take Donkey Kong. Let's take it to Vicarious. Once Vicarious fell through, I, I think Miyamoto saw it as an opportunity to to make sure that the future of his baby was was going to be established and taken care of long after he's gone from Nintendo. And so that is where it brought us. So, you know, I, I said that Donkey Kong EPD has maybe been in development since 2017. I don't actually believe it started development in 2017. I think that's just when they made the decision, yeah, it's coming home. But first, we have to get our ducks in a row. First, we have to, you know, get Odyssey out, and then maybe we can start restructuring and make a team for Donkey Kong. Speaking of Odyssey, and and you alluded to this earlier, Josh, this is purely my own conjecture. And I don't know if the timeline really syncs up for this to be an actual case, but it's an odd coincidence that Pauline is in Odyssey. And and she has, you know, a relatively prominent part in Odyssey after not being used outside of the Mario vs. Donkey Kong games for years, right? I'm not sure when they decided to make her mayor of New Donk City. But I think freedom collapsing when it did opened a window. It, it gave them the idea, maybe even, to use Pauline. And they debuted Pauline in the E3 2017 trailer, um... I think it just lines up pretty cleanly that this project fell through that was going to resurrect Pauline as a Donkey Kong character. And they said, hey, she would be a fun mayor of this Donkey Kong-themed city we've got. Let's use her. I, I think it's I think it's very, very logical speculation that at the very least, the idea to bring back Pauline in a greater capacity was, like, already in the air. Yeah. 
And and like like if if freedom had happened and and had come out as scheduled, then it would make perfect sense to have Pauline be like the representative of like that crossover, yeah. uh, as mayor of New Donk City. Given how many other you know references to Donkey Kong games and characters are in that place, but then again, the way Nintendo works, they they have notions about characters and, and which characters yeah, belong true. to which team. If Vicarious was using Pauline. I could see Nintendo EPD, the, the the Odyssey team in particular, being like, well, she's off limits because this this game is using her. So maybe they wouldn't even have had a mayor and maybe they would have just created an original character or maybe it would have been Stanley the Bugman. <laughs> Stanley the Bugman singing Jump Up Superstar. That's... <laughs> That would have that would have been worth it. Maybe Jump Up Superstar wasn't even in there. Maybe th- these are all ideas once they put Pauline in. But you know, putting her in Odyssey, I think, has actually negated the possibility for future appearances as a Donkey Kong character. I think she's actually classified now internally as a Mario character. And, and there's a few little things that suggest this to me. Mario Kart Tour does have Donkey Kong characters in it, but they are very, very cautious about how they use Donkey Kong characters compared to everyone else. Because everyone else has wacky, silly variants. You know, it it, it is a, a game that was built on this uh, gotcha mechanic where you want to collect all of them and maybe you'll spend real money to collect everything. All of these drivers, all of these carts. And so they they have... Numerous versions of Mario, Luigi, Peach, Wario, Waluigi, Bowser, uh, you know, in silly costumes. Here's Wario, but he's a mountain climber. Uh, here's Yoshi, but he's a kangaroo. Here is Luigi, but he's got a big sausage? What? <laughs> Donkey Kong and Diddy and Dixie and Funky do not have variants. The the only one you could arguably make the case for as a variant is Donkey Kong Jr. If you think he's a variant of, you know, the modern Donkey Kong. But Donkey Kong Jr. is... Which he is. Donkey Kong Jr. is presented in this retro sprite style as a counterpart to the retro sprite of Mario, who, who is a variant of just Mario. So they've never added, like, skydiving Diddy Kong or... Baby Panda Funky Kong or or any wacky variants for the Donkey Kong cast. And that is because I believe they are off limits. They're allowed to use them, maybe with permission from the Donkey Kong team. But there's no like, let's just have a bunch of silly Donkey Kongs in there. We, we, We can have the one Donkey Kong, right? It also reminds me of the newest, speaking of drivers... Uh, the newest Mario Golf game, which gave a lot of the cast like like golfing outfit variations, but but not Donkey Kong. He just got his tie. Yeah, Pauline is in the game, and she has two different variants from her normal attire. She's got Pauline Party Time, where she's she's dressed for the discotheque, and she's got uh, Pauline Rose, where she's like a uh, opera singer or something. Um, and yeah, Pauline has variants, uh, Donkey, Diddy, Dixie, and Funky do not. So 
it suggests to me that Pauline does not fall under the purview of the Donkey Kong team. It's funny that which characters are wearing costumes can be taken as like such a positive sign for us that see Nintendo does see Donkey Kong as its own separate thing. I, I mean, there, there's but no, but it, but it makes sense. Yeah. There, there, so like pe- people have this misunderstanding. They think of Donkey Kong as just a Mario character. Like if you're of a certain age, right? If you weren't mm-hmm. around for the heyday of Donkey Kong Country Mania, or you just n- never educated yourself on it, you would have that impression based on maybe the GameCube years or or the Wii even. But yeah, and and we we are to the point now though where like I get comments on my like DKC returns and Tropical Freeze videos. From, you know, people, like, in their 20s who grew up with those games. And, and they definitely see Donkey Kong more akin to how we do as, as his own, like, distinct thing from Mario. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it's it's necessarily an age thing. Because there are so many very, very young people in comparison to me in this community who do see Donkey Kong as his own established entity. But there's always going to be some bleed over. There's always going to be like, I I view it as this, like Donkey and Diddy are going to be in Mario stuff from time to time. They, they are considered like honorary um, ambassadors, I guess, into the Mario series from the Donkey Kong series. So there, there is some overlap there. Dixie and Funky, I think they had to get permission from the Donkey Kong team to use. Although maybe Funky is a little bit of an edge case since he was already in Mario Kart. But the, the point is, like, there, there is definitely thought put into how they can use Donkey Kong in Mario games at all times. Which is why Super Mario Odyssey has such a stark divide. Even though it had a whole city rooted in Donkey Kong references, they made sure that Donkey Kong only appeared as the uh, the sprite from the original Donkey Kong arcade game. Like, there, there is no, like, oh, yeah, here's Donkey and Diddy here in New Donk City. Let's, let's say hello. Uh, because they mm-hmm. thought Donkey Kong appearing in a mainline Mario platformer w- would be a bit much. Yeah, I still, I, I look at that and I still wonder, was that... Because in in the in the mechanics of Mario Odyssey, you go through the two D warp pipes and you become a two D sprite. I wonder. I've always wondered if that Donkey Kong was meant to be like modern Donkey Kong, or if that's what, just what happens to Cranky Kong when he goes through the pipe. <laughs> <laughs> it's a topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> so, 2017 was uh, a year of transition and a. Relative dormancy for Donkey Kong, but it was early 2018 that saw the announcement of the next stopgaps. Just the mm-hmm. Skylanders was to serve as a stopgap for Donkey Kong post-tropical freeze. So too were two stopgaps devised to breathe some life into the Donkey Kong brand and buy Nintendo some more time to get everything sorted. So Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze for Switch, developed by Retro was announced, as well as Donkey Kong Adventure, the DLC from Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, developed by Ubisoft Milan. And I, I, would, I would have to imagine on that that even had the Vicarious Visions thing not, not fallen through, yeah. Tropical Freeze would have almost certainly come to Switch regardless. Just because, because everything else has. Yeah, like almost every other ma- like first-party Wii U game of any, like... <laughs> Like, anywhere it's possible, it's happened pretty I much. do think it might have been prioritized by Nintendo. 
because mm-hmm. it fell through. Like, okay, let's get Donkey sense. Kong on the system ASAP to give us time to do a new Donkey Kong game. So I, I, I do think that's why we got it so relatively early in the Switch's lifespan. Um, sure. Only about four years after the original game. Um, and, and yeah, Ubisoft Milan uh, did, did the DLC for uh, Kingdom Battle. And then later that year, uh, that August, King K. Rule was announced as a base character for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So, so 2018 really was, I believe, the opening swoopy salvo for the future of Donkey Kong. I, I really think this is when they started saying, okay, we're, we're going to have these stop gaps. We're going to have the reintroduction of King K. Rule as the fans demanded. And they, they were going to use that as sort of the launch pad for what was to come next. Unfortunately, then, you know, there was a worldwide global pandemic sort of threw a monkey wrench or funky's wrench into the timing of everything. Now let's talk really quick about Valon Studios. So, as I said, Valon, founded by the Bala Brothers in November of that year that that uh, Freedom was abandoned, 2016, and... Post Vicarious Visions, they have struck up a new relationship with Nintendo because Valon Studios, I don't know if you know, actually developed Mario Kart Live Home Circuits, uh, another sort of toys to life uh, bleed through. Uh, so this is sort of more augmented reality where you're driving around your your own environment and it builds a virtual Mario Kart track. In the environment, I, I, I don't. Know. I, I haven't played it. And and I, and I, we 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 should be clear here. You're talking about the Bala Brothers with a with a B, but they they founded Valon Studios with a V. Do you know when when I was prepping this episode, how many times I tripped up and and <laughs> mixed up my B's and B's? Because yeah, you would think, but no, it's not. <laughs> But but because I kept here, I can't. Every time you've said that, I just scrolled down in the show notes to to check. <laughs> every time you've said it, I've heard Balon Studios, and I've I've wanted to reassure people we're not talking about the company, the the, the development group that made Balon Wonderworld. No. There was no no insider trading here. No, no, of course not, of course not. So anyway, Home Circuit. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Josh, but there is actually. Now, now, no Donkey Kong characters appear in Home Circuit. However, there is a Donkey Kong track that was added to the game. That's that's and that's so weird. Yeah, by the way, it is. <laughs> it really is. Now, th- this Donkey Kong track, it, it's got like uh, what would have come to be associated as like the ruins of Donkey Kong Island that was first established by Retro in 2010. That the uh, Universal Park is going to heavily trade in that the Illumination Super Mario Brothers movie is also incorporating. So there's a lot of, like, these archways, golden bananas, you know, uh, and and they pop up and barrels will roll out at you. And, you know, it it, it looks neat. I, I don't think Home Circuit is for me until they put a Donkey Kong character in it and I have to buy it. But, yeah, there, there is a Donkey Kong-themed track in, in Home Circuit. If here's a question, hypothetically, if they did put a Donkey Kong character in it, 
does it qualify as a video game enough to be DKU? Oh, absolutely. We, we've already okay. had this discussion about the Lego Donkey Kong that's being released for the Super Mario Lego brand because there is an app that goes with that. And, and trust me, we, we've had long discussions about that. This is enough <laughs> of a video game. It would be canon. Sure. Yeah. At least according to DK by, uh, but Mario right. Wiki concurs with us. So <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's funny to me knowing what we do that the Bala brothers would, would still have a little, little, little pinky in, in the Donkey Kong pie, even after all of these years. Mm. Now, what a, became of vicarious visions? You might ask. Well, vicarious Sad story. <laughs> <laughs> vicarious visions was was uh reformed as blizzard albany in january of 2021 so can i can i just say really quick what i i mentioned at the outset of all of this how e3 2015 was this nexus of donkey kong's past present and future well in a twist of cosmic fate activision was once the top contender to buy Rare in 2002. Ultimately, Microsoft won out inside Lob, but Activision was at one point going to get their hands on Rare. Now, Activision bought Vicarious Visions in 2005, and of course, Vicarious Visions briefly, secretly became the home of Donkey Kong in 2015. Now, Microsoft has announced their intention to purchase Activision Blizzard, although I think the deal is being opposed by the Federal Trade Commission and the European Commission, so there is a lot of government loopholes that they have to jump through if they actually want it to go through. But here we are again, Microsoft swooping in, buying a home of Donkey Kong. See, no matter no matter how you want to split the timeline, no matter how you want to how how you want to change things, Bill always wins in the end. Bill Gates is going to get his way, and his go it was always going to get his his hands on Rare. Bill Gates hasn't been involved with Microsoft in several years, Josh. Oh, you were joking. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yes, yes, past. And present and, and almost future of Donkey Kong collide. Maybe they should have called their their Donkey Kong game. Maybe they should have codenamed it Donkey Kong Ever Present Past. Because that's a far better Latter-day McCartney song to... All right. My, my, my default assumption, Heil, is that, is that sort of the, the, ephra, the ephemera of this show is always taking place in at the latest 1999. <laughs> like that is the state of the world that we should assume. Right. So we do have some calls to take. Uh, a, a few people really wanted to call in and, and get their thoughts in on this, because look, before we even talked about this, people have known about vicarious visions and Activision. We didn't actually break the news here. This has been on message boards. This has been on news sites in YouTube videos for a couple of weeks now, if not longer. All we have done here is hopefully provide some clarity and and confirm that, yeah, uh, it's true. You, you know that part, you know that bit in The Force Awakens when Han Solo is talking to Rey and Finn about Luke Skywalker, the Jedi and the Force, and he says, you know, 
I didn't believe it. I, I will once upon a time I didn't believe it, but funny thing is, it turns out it's true. All of it. You know, it was in the trailers. For oh the no, I, I like Star Trek. Instead. Oh okay. Uh, well, then you can go watch Picard season three as soon as we're done. But just imagine <laughs> us as old Harrison Ford, and we say it's true, all of it, but we hold up a Donkey Kong Skylander in our hands to emphasize the point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh huh. See, that's why I promoted this show with a Skylander's image, people. It was foreshadowing. So we so we have some calls. We do have some calls. Yes, I I want to play the calls. Uh, we'll we'll discuss each call uh, after we play the call. Um, and then we'll wrap it up in in a nice little package where we'll we'll share. I I guess our final thoughts on all of this for now, and I guess instill a message for those still waiting on the future of Donkey Kong to be revealed. So. We'll end on a positive note here, but let's go ahead and play that first call. Hello, conversation. Hello, everyone. Wow. The open world Donkey Kong is finally out in the open. (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, anyways, no. Why this is such a big deal for me is because this was literally being developed right in my own city, Albany, New York. Vicarious Visions. Can you believe it? I mean, this whole time, that whole time period, 2015-2017, Donkey Kong Leafs, which Donkey Kong, at least at the time, was being developed right in my own city, and I didn't know. At that point, I thought maybe Retro or Monster was going to do something all the way across the country, not a few exits away from my house. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I actually um, learned things about this game, and I've known about it for quite some time because I happen to know some folks who geographically have an advantage of living around me. <laughs> it sounds like this game was, I believe it was the last game that the Bala Brothers did. Uh, for those listening that don't know, Karthik and Guha Bala are the founders of Vicarious Visions, and they left the company in 2016 to form Valon. It sounds like it was going to be the Bala Brothers' dream game. Well, anyways... If I say much more, I feel like I'll get myself in trouble. But um, have a great day, conversation. Oh, and uh, take those banana peels off your feet. <laughs> I don't have the banana peels on my feet. I All right, so thank you for the call, Gothic Teddy Bear, and, and thank you for your diligence in pursuing this story, independent of DK Vine. Like, like it's... It's it's wild to have such a well-sourced story and then have somebody else also following it and then for us to compare notes. Yeah, that's what's crazy about it. Like when this when this whole thing broke a couple of weeks ago, that was my – like the thing that I immediately want – like first I read through the stories and I was like, okay, this is exactly what Heil and I talked about. Yeah. And I and I was just like you know it's beat for beat exactly right. I'm like can I it, can I talk about this now? I have no idea. Like, it's out there. I, I was unsure. And like I said, I, I actually cleared it with all my sword. It took it took a little bit of time. And then once I got the mm-hmm. go ahead and I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, then it was like, all right, finally getting this off my chest. And I'm still like nervous talking about because it it's just been verboten. It's, it's not something I'm supposed to talk about. So, you know, it's just been like, 
I, I'll, I'll allude to it here or there, but I, I can't really get into details. And now it's just, bleh. but you know, it, we weren't the first ones to break it. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. Bravo to, to your Dante Kongs and your professor chops. Um, everybody has to have a gimmick these days, Josh. Everybody has to brand themselves after a character. So yeah, thank you, uh, Gothic Teddy Bear. At the start of the call, though, when he mentioned the open world Donkey Kong game, that was in reference to freedom. That was not correct. That yep. that wasn't like what the what the the, the EPD game is going to right. be. Freedom necessarily. It might Free- be, but we don't know. Freedom uh, is what. Yeah, it's been described. I should say, like, it's been described to me as a 3D platformer. I, I've heard open world, but much more, like, obstacle-based, a little bit more confined than... Because, you, you, okay, you say open world these days, and everybody thinks Breath of the Wild, right? Right. So I don't think it was going to be as expansive as Breath of the Wild. And that's why I actually skirted from using that terminology, because... Mm, you know, it, it just creates this image in your head of like, oh, Donkey Kong, but Breath of the Wild, we were robbed. And, you know, I, I don't want people to have this notion that because, you know, I, I, every everybody wants to have their own Breath of the Wild now. It's become a right. cliche. Oh, it's it's like, see, it's I, it's something I'm a little conflicted on. And, you know, I'm not going to like pass judgment on a new Donkey Kong game until I see it. But hypothetically, if that's what it was, it'd be a little bit like I'm so... Like, I feel like we've been in this cycle for, like, going on ten years now where it's like a series reinvents itself as an open world game and I'm just, I'm kind of burnt out on them. But at the same time, if like, I can't deny that it would be a really sensible fit for a Donkey Kong game. It's something that, you know, I fantasized about since I was reading about the N64 and I grossly overestimated what it was capable of. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Well, it's the same computers they used for Jurassic Park, Kyle. You'll never need to buy another video game console. Yeah, it's going to have the expansion pack. It's going to have the the 64DD. It's just going to be evergreen. (laughs) All right, thank you for the call, Uh, Gothic Teddy Bear. So our next caller is actually split across two calls. So why don't we go ahead and play those back-to-back before we respond to them. Hey Josh, hey Heil, this is Hibby Sloth, um, artist on Twitter, Twitch streamer, previously Sponge of Squid. Um, really wanted to call in and uh, talk about this topic today. Um, I've, uh, I've listened to your podcast all the time, you know, love your work, always trust what you say, what you do for the community. Um, so a few days ago, much like everybody else, you know, you see a comicbook.com article floating around, and I didn't think much of it when I saw it. It was about eight hours old by the time it got to me, and I'm like, you know, I really only trust what my pals over at DK Vine are saying. They've got good sources, you know. Zippo had their stuff going around, and I don't really trust what he says. So to my surprise, when I actually sat down, got off from work, and read that article to see, oh, a lot of what this guy is saying matches up with what Heil said, only there's more info than what I remember being in the podcast from two years ago. Really caught my eye. Uh, but as I dug into their channel, I think it was Nintendo Prime, um, turns out he got his info from a Nintendo board called Sammy Boards, which um, Professor Chops, you know, knows of DK Vine, knows about, you know, the info. So it's like a big circle. 
Um, so really, this info getting out there isn't anything new, although it's being reported as new, which is the sad thing, I think. Um, it's more or less just the info that you've known all along, just, you know, been careful about what telling. Um, and I, I understand that. I respect that you never dropped a developer name, mostly because uh, that sets expectations of people that um, probably would have people, like, I don't know, yelling at Activision more than... <laughs> what they're already getting. <laughs> um, and, you know, people's jobs on the line. You don't have to, have to worry about that. I understand. Um, but, yeah, it was, was strange. It was really strange to uh, to see this news come back up. I think the sad thing about it is, like, I'm sure you are going to touch upon in this podcast, um, it sets real, excuse me, realist, unrealistic expectations for people can't speak today, uh, that EPD might be continuing whatever Vicarious Visions was working on, which very well could not be the case. You know, this is clearly a game that's being talked about that was canceled years ago. This is old news. This was being developed for the NX. Um, obviously, you know, it's not here, and Nintendo has their own plans, which we are not privy to. Uh, it could be 3D. It could be 2D. And, you know, I'll be there day one, whatever it is. Um, it's just, with all this news coming out, <laughs> sorry about that. I forget how long these uh, voicemails have to be. But, yeah, um, what I was getting at, you know, it, it's just sad that people might end up being uh, let down if, if EPD isn't working on a 2D game. Um, I don't want, you know, Donkey Kong fans or Nintendo fans as a whole to get expectations up and have a repeat of, E3 2013, nobody wants that. Um, hopefully, you know, uh, if people can kind of gather this news and uh, it gets, if, if somebody can pick this up and figure out uh, what was actually reported, like that there isn't, Nintendo might not be working on a 3D. If that, if that news can get out there, then maybe it'll be okay. I have a little bit of a following, so I don't mind talking on my streams or tweeting out, you know, like, hey, you know, there's all this news about a 3D Donkey Kong game, but that doesn't mean that one is in the pipeline. You know, keep your expectations in check. Um, but, yeah, that's basically all I needed to say. Um, you guys take care, and thank you for all that you do. Well, thank you for the calls, Hibby Sloth. Josh, thank you so much. Hibby Sloth brings up a really great point that I really wanted to stress and address before we wrap things up here, and that is, yes, what we know of Donkey Kong Freedom does not necessarily mean that it will apply to the next Donkey Kong game. Donkey Kong Freedom is an abandoned, canceled project. It does not mean that Nintendo taking up the reins, if, if, if what we've last heard is true... Nintendo EPD developing Donkey Kong, it does not mean that they're just picking up where Vicarious Visions left off. Right, of course. Um, Because that's not the way this works. That's never been the way Nintendo operates. It's completely counter to their ethos. It doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't take one or two ideas if they really liked it and and rework them in their own language. Sure, sure. uh, in, In their own style, but... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think people can even assume that it's a 3D platform. And, you know, I, I mentioned when we first talked about the EPD rumors two years ago, 
where this topic was broached and I skirted around what this game actually was. And, you know, I, I, at the time wasn't sure if it was, um, 2d or 3d. I was later, I later had sources since that episode confirmed to me that it was 3d, but, Mm -hmm. um, I, I just don't want people to assume that just because a 3d Donkey Kong game was in development, it means that the next Donkey Kong game has to be 3D. It could very well be 2D. It could be some sort of half and half or thing. I, I don't know. It could be something we've never even seen before. 4D, 5D, 6D. Uh, but basically, like, nothing about freedom should be assumed, like, fr- from, from the perspective to the genre to the, to, to the wearing bananas on your feet while grinding right. down a vine. Like... All of that stuff could be in the EPD-developed Donkey Kong game, but it has no bearing on it one way or the other. Exactly, exactly. So, like, us sharing what we know um, and and confirming, I guess, what uh, Professor Chops has said elsewhere, it's just an educational exercise to let you know that, yes... Donkey Kong was in development. It hasn't been an entire decade of nothingness. There were plans very shortly after Tropical Freeze wrapped and was released. Which I think is also important to say because I've seen some people be like preemptively very dismissive of the idea that uh, that oh after all this time they're going to like I wouldn't be interested if the game was 3D. Well, I wouldn't be interested if the game was 2D and it's like well, th- th- that's fine, but this has no bearing either way. And for me personally, like, especially as long as it's been, it's like, it, for me, I'm just like, I will just be happy to have a new Donkey Kong game. Yeah, y- you know, I just want, here- here's what I want for Donkey Kong going forward. I want it to have a loving, stable home that will get us a relatively steady stream of releases. I don't need to be like Kirby or Fire Emblem where we get, what feels like three games a year. We wouldn't complain. We wouldn't yeah. complain, but so long as we 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 can reliably have Donkey Kong releases every few years or so, and there is this consistency, and we don't have to worry that every time it changes developers, everything's going to be blown up and reinvented, and we're, yeah. we're not going to see characters X, Y, and Z ever again. It's just... I think stability is what I crave more than 2D, more than 3D. I, I I just want to have that reliability and then we can go hog wild speculating about what the next game is going to be. Oh, it's time for a 3D game. It's time for a 2D game. Rah, 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 right. rah, rah. But let's let's get the first game announced first. And I think it's also worth reiterating because when these rumors first came, I was looking back on some of these rumors before the episode one of the big things that got reported that you personally had to like contact certain outlets and correct on, and correct them on was that like the the the, the clickbaity juicy uh, as as journalism called it the sexy headline mm. is that the Mario Odyssey team is 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 are the ones creating this new Donkey Kong game and that's not the case yeah so Nintendo EPD is actually several teams it, mm-hmm. It's it's an umbrella term for numerous dev teams. And what I was led to believe way back in 2018 or so 
was that they were building a new EPD team specifically for Donkey Kong or reorganizing. And this wouldn't just be the Odyssey team's next game. Now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crossover, a lot sure. a lot of bleed over, and there might be people who worked on Odyssey for sure. It does not mean that we you won't be getting a new Mario game much later because they have to prioritize Donkey Kong. That's not what this right. means. It's Part of the reason this has taken so long is they have to set up for the future so Donkey Kong be, can be accounted for their plans because since 1994, Donkey Kong has mostly been developed by Western developers and they're bringing it back home because it just it just keeps falling through for various reasons. Even though like Retro is still, you know, actively working with Nintendo, uh, Retro just doesn't have the resources to work on Donkey Kong and Metroid and anything else they want to do. And this is this is purely me speculating speculating here, but given like especially the fact that like you just said you first heard about this in like going back to 2018, given how long it's been, I think if you're the kind if you're like if you're the kind of person who really wants this to be a 3D game, I think just the sheer length of time would kind of suggest that it might be. Um and also just that they're really it, it seems like they might they might re- be really taking their time in like setting the foundation for how a Donkey Kong game can play and and like the, sort of the baseline th- that they can iterate from from there. Does that make sense? It's possible. Yeah, I I, I really don't want to put any more gloss on that statement because it'll just sure. come come out as. Heil from DK Vine says, new 3D Donkey Kong game absolutely in the works. Yep. <laughs> so I learned my lesson from last time. <laughs> well, I, I I have still I still have yet to learn that lesson. So okay. if you're gonna do it, right. say, say I said it, not him. But yes, thank you for the calls, Hibby Sloth. Alright, we have we have one more call, and we will wrap this episode up and and say our goodbyes. And uh, and and dream of vine grinding, which sounds filthy, but it's very chaste and wholesome, especially when you add the banana peels. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Josh. Uh, very interested in the episode you guys are doing today. Uh, actually, I was just listening to um, kind of the, maybe the precursor to this episode, uh, Conversation 907, uh, Heard Any Good Rumors Lately episodes. I'm almost... Two years ago, how does time fly? Um, yeah, I just remember you, Heil, you know, were kind of alluding to, um, you know, that project, and I kind of assumed you wouldn't be talking about it for a bit, but yeah, I guess these rumors have uh, sort of popped up sort of out of nowhere, um, so it's interesting on what uh, you'll have to say about it. You know, I don't know if the true story is, I'm sure by the time, you know, you play this call, um, you will have said it already, but... You know, I think for a lot of fans, a lot of Donkey Kong fans, obviously it would have been better, you know, to have a game between Tropical Freeze and whatever this next game is. But personally, one, I know that people at the workers at Activision, you know, it's not like their fault for the most part that management has been so icky. Personally, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Nintendo lending, quote-unquote, Donkey Kong to Activision, if that is the case. Um, and if that isn't true, I'll, uh, if you say that's not true, 
personally, I know people have the reservations that Nintendo, you know, making a Donkey Kong game. But, I mean, I think, and you said this before, them, EPD, the big studio, one of the big studios, you know, like Mario and stuff like that, them having Donkey Kong, I think, will be more healthy, will be healthier for the brand in the long run, even if right now there's no game. I mean, as you've been mentioning, all these, like, merchandise, amusement park, you know, it's rolling the Super Mario Bros. movie. I mean, I think there are active steps that are being taken, and I think that, you know, you know, Rare's in the U.K., Rush Studios is in the U.S., you know, I think it's good to bring Donkey Kong back home uh, with Nintendo. So, personally, I think that for the long run, I'm more into that idea. But, uh, yeah, those are my thoughts. See ya. Well, thank you for the call. I believe that was Traveler of the Stars. Um, it's... They, they, they didn't say their name, but I recognize the phone number. So thank you. Uh, Maybe you should update the voicemail to, to be like, hey, please, please leave your name and a brief message. And- I, 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 you know, if they want it to be anonymous, I want to give them that ability. But they've stated their name before, so it's fine. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, that, that's, a, that's a great point. So we, did, we never even got into, like, the controversies around Activision. <laughs> That's a whole barrel of monkeys unto itself, isn't it? Oh, yes, yes. So so much monkey business. I think, yeah, we dodged a bullet for sure. Um, you know, obviously that's that's not necessarily on Vicarious Visions or, or the Bala Brothers or, or anybody, you know, like, I, I'm not there. I don't, I don't know, but, you know, it's, it would have been uh, a tainting by association nevertheless and look well well let me just get into my final thoughts because there's some overlap here all right so look this is this is all what i know i've shared it all and as i said at the top of the episode i stand by this reporting like this is probably the most well-sourced story i've ever sat on and I know some will remain skeptical because, you know, uh, well, uh, Activision doing a Donkey Kong game. Well, it's not necessarily Activision. It's Vicarious Visions who did Skylanders and struck. You know, there is actual logic behind this. Um, but, you know, if, if you don't believe it, that's OK, too, because uh, some people just have to be there uh, to, to have it proved to them. But I, I do believe when you slot this story into what we didn't know, this big gap of time, suddenly, like, the last decade makes a lot more sense, right? Like, it, everything starts adding up, including the decision to bring Donkey Kong back home. And I think I have two major hopes for the Donkey Kong fandom after they hear this episode. So, one, to take solace in the fact that there's always been a plan for Donkey Kong since 1993. Even if those plans, you you very briefly said that earlier, and like it's kind of been like, like, uh, like in the back of my mind throughout the rest, of, like ever since that. Yeah, it, you really can like draw the line that far back. Since uh, the the game that they were originally developing for the Super Nintendo that became Yoshi's Island before Rare entered the picture uh, and, and showed them. ACM and, and Silicon Graphics workstations, look what we can do. And and then Donkey Kong became Rare's baby, f- you know, for 
the better part of eight years or so, and then after Rare, well, Rare kind of hung around a little bit in the peripheral there, but, um, you know, that then they had Jungle Beat after Jungle Beat, and, you know, Payon had some games, then they started making plans to bring it to Retro, and then Retro had it, and then Vicarious Visions had it, and now, reportedly, Nintendo EPD has it, but, you know, th- this decade of relative dormancy hasn't been due to a lack of care on Nintendo's part. Nintendo does not hate Donkey Kong. On the contrary, they are sort of building it up right now to be one of their major, major, major brands. Like, I know people have written off Donkey Kong as like F-Zero or or something that's really just fallen by the wayside. It's not. It's just been circumstances that really date back to Rare's departure. Really, it's been a state of flux. Uh, I've likened it to somebody crashing on friends' couches because they don't have any place to go. That's what Donkey Kong's been doing since the buyout. And I, I think this has created this sense of martyrdom in the fandom. Like, oh, woe is us. Oh, oh, the poor Donkey Kong fan. And I admit, I admit to, you know, playing into that during the years of 2002 to 2010 and a little bit after that, because that's a hard mentality to shake yourself from. I got better, though, <laughs> you know, and of course, it helps having sources that say, hey, this is what's up. And I'm like, oh, and I try to relay those good vibes to the rest of the fandom, even if I can't share every detail when I learn them, because it is sort of eye opening to realize how much Miyamoto has been advocating for Donkey Kong, how much other people at Nintendo uh, want Donkey Kong to be on the same level as Mario. Well, maybe slightly below Mario, but on the same level as Zelda. Uh, definitely, like, even above where Splatoon and Animal Crossing are now, which, of course, they have eclipsed Donkey Kong as far as the general Nintendo fandom goes, but that will change. That will change. So, I know how easy it is to fall into that negative mindset, that that just awful frame of thinking where... Everything is terrible. We haven't had a game in years. This sucks. But and even if they did make a game, they'd just fuck it up anyway. <laughs> and yeah, we used to have upwards of two games a year. And we were, you know, it, it was a lively part of Rare's shared universe of games. Still is. They just have to be careful about how they reference the stuff. But now, you know, we have been waiting an entire day almost an entire decade for hard confirmation on the next full Donkey Kong game. And yeah, that, that creates some hard feelings. You just have to have faith. It, it, it really is coming. And you have to look at all the signs, all the evidence. I know for some people, they will not be satisfied until the game is in their hands. But, oh my God. I mean, look at all the stuff that's, that's just over the, over the horizon, just around the corner theme park the i mean the fact that they're spending like the whole like middle bit of the mario movie on donkey kong yeah exactly they're they're not doing that because donkey kong's just a silly mario character and he's an afterthought they were doing that as i i mentioned that 2018 was the launching pad for the future of donkey kong well i the mario movie really is 
as far as the general public is concerned, going to be what reestablishes Donkey Kong and Cranky Kong in their mind. Yeah, so did you say earlier that the the prototype images of the theme park did did you say those leaked like in 2017? Uh so so we first learned about the theme park and the fact that there was going to be a Donkey Kong roller coaster in 2017. Or at least we we learned about the Donkey Kong aspects of the theme park in 2017, June 2017. I asked that because for me personally, like I have been and I like it's I know it sucks that it's been a long time. It's like 2017 especially because of the pandemic, just feels like an incredibly long time ago at this point that we've been waiting. But I've had this certain, like, as far as Donkey Kong goes, I have had, like, a certain peace of mind ever since I saw those those pictures for the first time. Because I'm like, you know... If they're doing that, there's no way they're not going to take care of Donkey Kong in, in, in some form or fashion. Yeah. Yeah, like like the theme park has been in the works for longer than 2017. Obviously, P- people I I've, I've seen people complain that it's all based on retros games. Why why is it just based on retros games? Well, they were doing work on it. Like I think right after, right around the time of Tropical Freeze, maybe a little after. So they were basing it heavily on the two most recent Donkey Kong games. And that has actually maintained some consistency into the future of Donkey Kong. There is a reason why that Golden Temple head is is so prominent in the Mario movie. It's, you know, because it's going to play a part in the theme park, which was based on the retro games. So it is, even though it's changing studios, it is still keeping that visual consistency with the retro games because they had to, because the theme park has been in development for so long and they don't want to make it immediately outdated. Um, Doesn't mean that you won't see Kremlins in the next Donkey Kong game. It doesn't mean they can't add a costume K rule in the theme park. You know, things evolve. The, the, Oh, I, oh man, I want that job. <laughs> the, the, it'd be so hot. Oh my god. I know, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're like that that actor in the Donkey Kong suit who had the aortic dissection because it was so hot. Could you imagine the physical calamities that would befall you in a K. Rule costume? <laughs> oh my god. So anyway, yeah, like the, the investment in the Donkey Kong Park has shown that Nintendo has had an investment in Donkey Kong for a very long time now. And it's just, you know, it, it was going to be the the Vicarious Visions game that was going to be the flag bearer. It did not turn out to be the case. And and as we mentioned uh, in response to Hibby Sloth, yeah, I hope people keep in mind that what was Donkey Kong Freedom won't necessarily be the direction the next Donkey Kong game takes. Because... As I said, Nintendo was pleased with it, Miyamoto seemed to dig it, but it's not like Nintendo EPD or whoever just picked up development where Vicarious Visions left off. And look, looking at, like, would I have been happy with Donkey Kong Freedom? Well, it, there, there's just too much that's unknown. It didn't get far enough, right? I didn't get to play it, I didn't get to fall in love with it, but I think part of me would have really liked it i mean of course the, the pitch i would of it the pitch of it absolutely sounds like my bullshit I'll, I'll definitely say that like saying it's donkey kong country taken like but in 3d with that focus on kinetic gameplay and kinetic movement like that is what i really really love about 
DKC's gameplay. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, hot new 64 set it in 1999. It's the same old Donkey Kong Country, but in 3D. So to get a game that was actually like that, right. at, least, at least the pitch sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah. As much as I would have really liked this game, I think. Like, like coming around on, like, the Pauline idea and... You know, I, I, I've, I've been on board with Vine Grinding since day one, since I first heard it. But we would have gotten it. Like, let's say it would have released in 2018. You know, it do- doesn't really matter, right? Because it, it, it never got far enough. But let's just say if things had worked out perfectly, it, if it, it had been finished and saw release and came out in 2018 or maybe 2019, we would have gotten it. And then we would have been right back to square one. Because Microsoft would have come calling, Vicarious Visions would have been restructured. Ultimately, it would have been a false restart, a one-off. And I think the timeline we ended up in, sure, with a much longer gulf between full new games, but with Donkey Kong regaining this public prominence with his role and Cranky's role in the Super Mario Brothers movie, which then heralds the theme park and then, you know, the new game sometime around then or, or before then, that will probably be far more beneficial for the long-term health of the series than getting a new game, having the developer immediately bought by Microsoft, and just going through all the other bullshit that Activision has been through. Yes, yes. It, it would have been the buyout era 2.0, only with all this extra drama poured onto it. So, yeah, I mean, I think we lucked out, actually. Not not to disparage any of the people who worked on this game. Not, not to disparage the quality that would have been inherent in it of itself. That's a shame. But I think for Donkey Kong's long-term health... We we wound up in the better timeline here. And, you know, if the Bala brothers are big enough Donkey Kong fans and Valon Studios already has a working relationship with Nintendo, I could see in the future them quite easily becoming maybe a secondary studio where Donkey Kong side games maybe get developed. I mean, I mean that's that's outside the box, like way in the future thinking here, but... You know, I, I remember when Monster Games did Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Then all of a sudden they became this other possibility, right? Like, okay, when Retro can't do Donkey Kong anymore, maybe Monster Games can pick up the slack and they can become the next studio. Uh, it, it never hurts to have somebody uh, waiting, you know, in the dugout to take the field. And Or it's also possible that they could do, like, Donkey Kong remakes, sort of the way that Grezzo has, has picked that up for The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, y- y- you never know. Like, that that's also a true—I don't know, like, how logical that is, considering the several degrees of separation. Pure speculation, yeah, yeah, once yeah. again. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I look at what Monster Games was to us throughout the 2010s, and I think, yeah, yeah, Valon could potentially— be that for us going forward. Time will tell, right? Time will tell. It's just clear going all the way back that, like you, like you said, going back to 1993, going through the rare years, going through the the, the buyout years, and and going through the renaissance, and just everything we've been through. The way that Nintendo has always approached Donkey Kong, like there's there's something I th- I think I said in my Tropical Freeze episode where I was talking about how like 
Donkey Kong as a series with a great deal of brand recognition, but but it struggled quite a bit with its identity. Yeah. And I think Nintendo has always been like aware of that and trying to t- and, and trying to like turn that around. But at the same time, because it is such a recognizable brand, because it does so well, because like you know the the general non game playing populace can can readily identify Donkey Kong because <laughs> like it is that well known. Like they they haven't ever given up on it. No. And, and, you know, you talk about that identity crisis that it did have from 2002 to 2010, roughly. I, I've said what actually resolved that was the most successful, financially successful Donkey Kong games of that time period were Rare's Donkey Kong Country remakes. And that's really where the identity crisis ended is they said, well, Donkey Kong Country is what the public is thirsty for, to go back to our preliminary caller, Let's make Donkey Kong Country the brand. Like, let's not have any of this debate. Like, we, we can still celebrate the arcade years. You know, we we can maybe still have some fun with it. But Donkey Kong Country is the core identity of what Donkey Kong has become. And so we got Donkey Kong Country Returns, which is still the base. It's It's still the baseline. I've been talking about baselines. It is still... Basically, what the future of Donkey Kong is being built on, even if retro doesn't play an active role in that, their art direction, their style, that is still very much influencing the future of Donkey Kong. That doesn't mean the Kremlings are in danger. It doesn't mean we won't see rare characters return. doesn't mean we won't see Jungle Bee characters return. We could see Chunky Kong riding around on Hoofer. You know, you don't know. You don't know where the future is going to take us. I feel like... Everything is on the table again. There's not going to be any embargoes. It, it's just going to be what works best for that game. They know that we, there's a strong uh, vocal fandom out there. How many fandoms have gotten Nintendo to change their mind and acknowledge a character and celebrate him to the extent they did with King K. Rule? It's, it's crazy. Uh, so I hope people walk out of this episode feeling good about the future. And and I've said all I can say about it. I don't know anything else. Anything I would say from this point on would be irresponsible. We know a game has been in development. We don't know anything about it beyond the fact that the project exists. Yeah. So the cat's out of the bag. The Kong is out of the barrel. But I don't want people to think that I don't have any more secrets that I'm hoarding. Oh, I know so much about the development of past games, canceled games, or games that haven't even been released yet, Josh. Oh, you better believe I still have so much arcade knowledge from across the entire Donkey Kong universe that would melt your face off if you stared hard enough at it. I mean, I could sit here and probably get a few four-hour podcasts alone just talking about all of the characters that were cut from This has been a File 2 production. Terrico.